When the twilight is gone, and no songbirds are singing, when the twilight is gone, you come into my heart, and here in my heart you will stay. Chopping Wood Inside. Welcome to the Chopping Wood Inside podcast, the Twin Peaks podcast for conspiracy theorists and aficionados. I'm your host, Murphy. Tom, you out there? I'm out here, my friend, and uh, <laughs> I am absolutely amazed. Amazed, my friend. Dude, we uh, our minds have been blown apart by the series finale, episodes 17 and 18. Uh, dude, it just, I can't, like, 17 was its own monstrous, like, revelation and mind blower. Um, and then 18 came and just turned everything that we thought happened in 17 upside down. <laughs> yeah, it. it was almost like uh, 18 or 17 was the proper ending to the series. And 18 was an, uh, an epilogue, a one hour epilogue leading into what we hope might be a season four. Don't you think that maybe like uh, Lynch and Frost submitted their uh, script and it ended at episode 17? And they were like, that's great. I love the way you ended this. Amazing. <laughs> then they're like, actually, we tricked you. One more. <laughs> and then they did the old dipsy doodle. She yes. gave us the, the mind fuck five, th- which is what I wanted. I wanted like that just total cliffhanger. Uh, not in want Coop to be stuck in the lodge, well, even though he kind of is. <laughs> but uh, boy, the lights going out, Laura screaming, holy shit. Yeah, I watching. Okay, of course I watched it live, and then and Murphy, you you waited a little while because you're out yeah, in sunny California. I, yeah, I, had, I could not watch the finale with the fucking lights on and children playing and like horns horns honking and the sun out. I had to like let the sun go down. And thank God around L.A. around six o'clock we had a little rainstorm that came over Hollywood. So I wa- yeah, I waited a couple hours. You'd already seen the whole thing, right? Or almost. We talked I, after one though, right? You called me. We did. Yeah, I took. I had to take a break after if there was so much that that happened and I'm, I'm taking well i took notes on a rewatch and i literally took like maybe three times as as many notes that i normally do there was just so much information packed into part 17 i had to take this break and and you had not seen it yet and i didn't give you any um spoilers or any kind of clues other than to tell you that you were you know strap on or strap in it was going to be a hell of a ride but then i watched 18 and it had such a, a deliberate pace. It was much slower, and uh, my expectations of where I thought the story was going to go were, were, I mean, it's not that they weren't being met, but I was just, my mind was blown in that, what we were seeing. And obviously it, it unfolded, it ended, and my mouth was literally like, you know, jaw on, on the floor, and I didn't know what to think. And then you called me after part 17 and, and we talked, but you hadn't seen 18 yet, so I wasn't going to say anything. Well, that gave me time to watch again. And watching eight, okay, I watched 17 and 18 again. 18, the second time, knowing what's going on and picking up all the subtleties, absolutely mesmer- mesmerizing. And I might be in the minority here. I haven't really checked the online chatter, but I'm guessing that a lot of people are going to be disappointed, angry, confused. And that's perfectly valid, but this is also David Lynch with Mark Frost. And yeah, what do they expect? <laughs> <laughs> right. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Of course, it, like I said, it didn't meet my expectations, but 
I thought we were going to get some kind of finality, uh, some kind of resolution with a lot of our, our, our pay, uh, players. I, I knew that there was going to be some loose you know, plot threads and it was going to be tied up so nicely and uh, there was going to be some kind of ambiguity, but I would have never expected what we got. And I am, I just love it I, I, because I will be spending, you know, years to come pondering what's going on and talking with you about it and obviously podcasting. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, should we start at the top? I mean, we got a lot of, it's going to be a long podcast. We got two hours <laughs> right. to go, so let's dig into yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> you want to start us off? Yeah, so okay. Got, dive into your notes. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of epic here. I, like I said, I took a, a lot of notes. But we start, <laughs> I always laugh when we see the uh, the establishing shot of Buckhorn. We're still in Buckhorn. Still, that's what I mean. That's insane, <laughs> Right? Part been a great 18. Well, how, much the, how much is the travel bill? That's probably like a $20,000, $50,000 stay. <laughs> hey, we're paying for it, right? As taxpayers, yeah. we're paying for exactly. this? Exactly. Dude, so. And they've been in the same room. Albert and Tammy have been in the same places for what, like three, four, five episodes. They haven't like moved from behind that desk with all that uh, that equipment. But Cole basically is starts off and is, is telling them a story or telling Albert that he's been holding back something from Albert for I think he said for twenty five years. Twenty five years. He missed the dick Did joke. He, he Lynch had to throw a dick joke in there as well. <laughs> yeah, I missed that. Um, <laughs> I was talking to Caitlin online on Twitter, and, and she had mentioned that, and I, I, I missed it. And then I talked to you, and you, you caught it. I, I totally missed yeah, it's pretty, it. I mean, I liked his delivery of his line, but he had to, you know, throw it in there. Like, you're getting soft, Gordon. He's like, in, like only in the wrong, like, not in the wrong parts or something like that. He said, like, not in the wrong parts, buddy. <laughs> so right. he, you know, flip it. So he made us know that he's very virile, uh, gentleman. So, and then he continued to... Uh, Phyllis said it's almost like we went to like Blue uh, Blue Rose training camp like in this like last six episodes in the, at the hotel because we're getting all the lore and he tells us some more stuff that we've never heard before. Yeah, he also remember he was actually playing with his six shooter. And yeah, that's right. I was hoping we'd that. get another si- sighting of his six shooter. I wanted but... him to like get sucked into the lodge and like somehow be like uh, habitually just pull the six shooter, like even though it would do no good just to walk around. Right, with the six right. But I think the reason why he has the six shooter out is because he says that he couldn't do it. And I think that means he he couldn't shoot Diane, and yeah, that's when Albert says know. you're getting soft in your old age. And then we have the, the dick joke. But basically, Cole tells Albert that he's been holding. Uh, something back from him he's had a you know been carrying around a secret that's very pertinent to the events of this series which makes me think like well why did he hold back from albert did he not trust albert so um he he tells albert and tammy that briggs major briggs shared info um to cooper and cole um back in the day about an entity and um uh, the entity is Lynch or Cole describes it as, as Jow Day, I think is what he <laughs> yeah. mentions it as. And, and the, the contemporary name for it is Judy. But he also explains that it's about this darkness. And I'm assuming referring to the experiment. Is that what you thought, Murph, about? Yes. You, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, kind of remind, and also I keep thinking of is the box monster and the mother the same? I mean, the experiment, Judy, they're all one and the same. The little symbol. You know, we've seen all over the series that, that they're all Judy and the, the box monster mother are one. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, I don't there's so much to, to dive into. I don't want to go down too many rabbit holes. We're going to obviously yeah. be doing <laughs> other shows and we'll talk more about, I think, Judy as the episode or as, as we continue talking about part 17 into 18. But um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I know I, less about who Judy is after the end of the finale than I did before going in. Right. <laughs> there was just oh, there was just so much information in Part 17, especially that scene with Jeffries. But um, I'll, I'll just keep on 
uh, talking about the scene with Cole is that um, I guess what um, Cole is saying is that um, Jeffries also told him like a long time ago that he was actually onto the entity. So, um, which is Judy, because in Firewalk With Me, Cole says specifically he doesn't want to talk about Judy. And Judy's, like you said, been this mysterious character. We thought we were getting some answers. But in Firewalk With Me, it was the beautiful young lady at the Argentinian Hotel, right? The missing pieces. Right, right, right. But there's also, in part 18, we're going to be jumping around a little bit, is when Cooper is driving in Odessa, Texas, he sees a a sign for... um, I think Eat at Judy's, a restaurant coffee yeah. shop. Mm-hmm. And who works there? But, uh, you know, well, not Laura Palmer, but Carrie Page. So I don't think Judy can be assumed completely to be the symbol or the experiment, but it's likely, but it's still vague. Um, I agree. Yeah. So um, I think it's likely. Yeah, but, but also, unsure. right, with you're unsure. Yeah. But, it could be Laura. Um, well, yeah, that's what I, th- I thought it was either going to be Laura or Naido. Um, but th- there was just so many curveballs in these final two hours. It's yeah, really we hard. Yeah, eight million rabbit holes at the. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. We'll get to okay, that. Okay, well, I think Cooper Cooper told Cole, like, gave Cole a message. Now I'm assuming this is before the events of the end of the series, which is very interesting because he tells Cooper or Cole that if he ever goes missing, that he needs to do everything he can to find him. Which I'm assuming that Cole would have done anyways. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what? And didn't he throw in the two birds with one stone thing into that, what, what Cooper said? Or like, I was kind of confused at how he incorporated that. Yeah, didn't he? He did say uh, two birds with one stone and talking about the two Coopers, I think, right? Yeah, did Cooper tell him that originally 25 years ago? Is that what he's saying? Well, I don't know if he said the... Uh, he said, like, what you do, if I ever, go, if I ever get stuck in here, you've got to come find me, two birds with one stone. Did he say that? Because it seems like that was the delivery of Lynch, and I was kind of confused by what he meant. I don't know. You very well may be right. I didn't think about it like that, um, but... Well, that, it's another one of those we can continue. Right. <laughs> well, there's also another bit of information about Ray, is that Ray was an FBI informant. Yeah, he's an FBI informant. That's good. So that just... Go. I, mean, I could talk 20 minutes on Ray being an, an FBI <laughs> informant. Just, that's just... These exposition scenes, right? The, specifically the hawk. That's what I mean. All these Buckhorn Hotel, they've all been exposition, like the, the, the Blue Rose training, dude. I feel like I'm a member of the team. Right, right. Well, he basically, yeah. Ray, Ray told Cole that Mr. C was looking for the coordinates from Briggs. Um, so they knew this all along, or I'm assuming that Ray was in contact with Cole, at least, and not Albert, since Cole was keeping this a secret. So I'm not sure. Why would you want to find that thing? You want to harness it and weaponize it or something? I don't want to meet it. What, the, the experiment? Yeah. <laughs> right? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But um, so, okay, so Cole gets a call from Headley. I finally put his name together. You had mentioned it, but it's Headley. 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 Like Harvey Corman in uh, Blazing Saddles. It's Headley. That's right. Headley Lamar, Headley. right? Um, and he is in the hospital room in Las Vegas and saying that he found Dougie Jones, but he's gone. Bushnell enters, hears Cole, gets on the phone and tells Cole that he has a message from Dougie, who's actually Cooper. And it was he, a weird message. What was the message? I think he said, um, I'm headed for Sheriff Truman. It's 2.53 in Las Vegas, um, and that adds up to 10, which is the number of completion. So it's all the numerology. Lynch is huge in the numerology. And so I guess this is the end game. That's the message to Cole. And I like that little touch when um, the call's ending and Bushnell still has Headley's phone, and Headley goes to reach for his phone, but for some reason Bushnell doesn't want to give the phone back. Yeah, why not? I noticed that. I know. It's just a nice little touch there, yeah. But then I think... He's battling Bud. He'll battle it with the phone. (laughs) And then 
And then, so Cole finally puts it together, like, you know, Dougie is Coop. And, uh, and then, like, in two seconds, I found this extremely comical. In two seconds, Tammy and Albert punch up all the information. Yeah. <laughs> it was like Minority Report or something. All these the things are flying around on the computers. It was like empty files. They could have at least filled the files right. with some jargon or some sort of material. But yeah, instantly they knew everything. How? It was almost like they were con- I think it was almost like Tammy was still a tulpa. She was conjuring it out of the air it seemed like. She wasn't even looking at the screen. How? How like, did they <laughs> were there like 23 Douglas Jones in Las Vegas? It's magic, buddy. It's the magical hotel room. Just, let's go. <laughs> I just found that really, really comical. Move along. Hey, dude, if you think that's the weirdest thing in the story, you got a lot of weirdest shit to cover. Right. So Cole basically says, uh, uh, it's a Blue Rose case, most definitely, and, and tells him to pack it up. I know where he's going. And then we cut to the sheriff's station and the jail cell. And really, this is where it picks up momentum. There's a lot of cross-cutting between yes. Mr. C's storyline. and I knew we were going back there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everyone's still in there. Well, especially mm-hmm. from Diane in the previous episode when right before she got tulpid out of existence, she said, I'm in the sheriff's station, which I you know, thought something completely different, but obviously she was literally in the sheriff's station. But we cut to the jail cell, but it's really kind of an establishing. We see all of our, you know, our cell, our, our, you know, our felons. Well, they're not felons, but Chad and that weird freak and uh, Jay. Yeah, we learned that Billy uh, doesn't like to see, he's just like staying up and just mocking Chad till the very end, until <laughs> he passes out. He's so tired, he bangs his head against the, 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 the jail cell. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what's been going on? That's all he's been doing, right? But it's not it's like the ultimate annoyance. Like you're, when you have a kid, kids will like repeat your, your, you know, I used to do this as a kid as well to my parents. Like that's, boy, he really had that game down. He was just doing it probably for 48 straight hours, just mocking Chad. Right. But repeating we, him, mimicking him. <laughs> now, did he have one original line of dialogue? It was all mimicry, right? Yeah. I don't know if he ever had an original line of dialogue. Yeah. And uh, he's not Billy or I mean, I guess he could be, but we <laughs> we don't know anymore, right. buddy. <laughs> you can say I'm going to call him Billy, my okay. friend. Now we you, now you can't tell me it's not Billy. We don't know. <laughs> Lynch wants us to Lynch will let us decide. You decide, buddy. I, I decide, Billy. So okay, so we have that establishing shot, and I think Naido is getting restless because we cut uh, immediately to the uh, the wires, the electrical wires. I think it was the same shot from part. 15 when Mr. C was headed to the convenience store. I love that shot. I think it's in black and white and it's sped up. I just love it. And we see that Mr. C is indeed um, driving and he enters the town of Twin Peaks. Welcome to Twin Peaks, right? We see the sign when Mr. C in broad daylight is entering Twin Peaks. And it's the only time we see the sign. Yep. Yep. I was like, dang. Was was it it kind of anticlimactic? Yeah, he's speeding through. I thought it for, for I only saw it once, or I was I thought a Cooper somehow saw it. But yeah, you're right. It was it was Mr. C, and it was very anticlimactic. But we got to see it. You were calling it. We got it. There you go. Well, I w- wasn't calling it. I just assumed that at some point. <laughs> I think you called it like episode seven or one of our like yeah, a long time ago. I think I I thought maybe it would be at nighttime. I thought that would be a nice <laughs> contrast, but no, bright sunny day. But so like consequential. So as soon as he enters town, I think we cut back to the jail cell really quickly, and Naido is getting even more agitated. And starts making these hand gestures, and I think James and and uh, Freddie start to notice, but still nothing. And we cut to um, the Great Northern Ben still behind his desk, and he gets a <laughs> phone call. I want to say it was Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Yeah, Jackson Hole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And uh, you want to take this from from here with uh, the revelation? Uh, another saying, okay, we got a guy here. He's naked. He's bearded. Naked bearded men. Uh, <laughs> he says he's your 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 brother. 
He's like, Jerry. <laughs> and so, yeah, no, I'll, we'll take care of him. We'll send us in a car. And that was really it. But he's like, well, bring, bring clothes because uh, he is naked. And so he just looked down in shame and let it been horn. He's well, I'm glad we got. But it was like kind of my theory that like they're going to pick him up. That's the, that could have been the credits. Just picking up Jerry. That's it. The whole thing with Jerry. At least we got some closure with that, right? Yeah, he's okay now. He'll be in the sequel, or he'll be in season four. But Wyoming? I don't. Okay, I, I think I know my geography. He made his way to Wyoming, dude. How far is what, that? That's a long way. Isn't like okay? So geography wise, isn't uh, Montana? Isn't uh, the Washington State? Uh, the just east of it this. is Idaho and then Montana. But how did he get to Wyoming? That's what I want to know. I think Wyoming's south. Maybe he went all the way careened through the state. I have no okay. idea. All right. We'll, we'll, yeah, that that's, 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 yeah, yeah, we won't go there. But okay. He went a long way, though, folks. And he's okay. He's going to be fine. Right. So really only one horn died in the series. Maybe two. We don't know about Audrey. Hey, no, let me just say this. It's yeah. possible that no horns died in this series. What? Oh, we'll talk about that, my friend. Um, yeah, no, just stick with My us, mind folks. mind is already blown, S- friend. I don't need you to Stick with us. I've got theories. Right. Um, okay, so next we cut back to Mr. C, and uh, he's parked. His truck is parked at the location near Jack Rabbit's Palace. So that's where his coordinates lead, and we see him in the woods, and he's got his little tracking device or cell phone, one of the thousand of cell phones that he's had, and uh, we see the black smoke, and then he enters, and he sees the um, the kind of the antithesis of the scorched engine oil, the gold liquid. Yeah, the orb yeah, the, oil. Yeah, the, yeah the, the orb oil. Liquid hot orb. Mag- <laughs> I knew you were going there. But, uh, and uh, I think he, uh, so we start getting the sound design, the Niepschneid, and uh, I think he looks up and he sees the vortex. And then he does a little staticky shudder, and poof, he's gone. He's in the void. He gets in the White Lodge. I was like, I was like, oh shit! He's he, just like he thought. Like he's gonna go bum rush the White Lodge, right? So, which is an insane move on his part. And okay, so okay, when I first watched this, I didn't get it until a little bit late. Well, actually, after the scene, I, I figured it out. And then when I saw it again, it's like, oh okay. I, so there's the shot right of Major Briggs's floating head, which I immediately thought of you in the White Lodge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we got <laughs> another Briggs sighting. And he's just. Just, I mean, he's like just kind of floating there, not expressionless, yeah, but he's happy. yeah, he does actually. And uh, and then there's a screen in the middle, which I believe is the location right there near Jack Rabbit's palace of that vortex. And then there's one of those alarms, and it looks like there's a cage, and within the cage is Mister C's face with some smoke. <laughs> so he got trapped. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they were like, no way, man. We got we got security alarms for this year. Like they knew exactly this guy was coming. Well or, someone's security camera. Well originally I thought it was Jeffrey's. I thought it was like Bowie. And I go, oh how cool is that? It was the that Bowie. Yeah. But then okay I realized it wasn't. But so it was all a ruse. It was a trap. They got they had Mr. C trapped and we saw the fireman appear and he's observing all this and he does a little kind of like, you know, hand gesture, like a swipe. Yeah, he swipes. He swipes left. Yeah, he swipes. So what, and then the, 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 doesn't the scene change to the Palmer house? The Palmer house. I was like, ooh, uh-oh. Right. So is that like where maybe Mr. C thought he was going to go? That's probably where Mother is, yes. I keep uh, Palmer, yes, I think so. So that was interesting. And then he swipes. Judy, Mother. Pa- yeah. Very strongly. strong, Very likely. Yeah, ear of likely. And so... It's very Superman two. This scene, I loved it. Which which scene is the heads? Like just like when they all get guilty. Fun. Maybe it was Superman one, but is I keep the, thinking like yeah, Terrence Stamp. I think there was some. It was the guilty, right? Around. The guilty, 
guilty. <laughs> I guess maybe thinking of when they were stuck in that glass. Oh, yeah. No, that was super This is a great scene. Very iconic. Yeah, so. No, where's the scenery to Dido, though? Once again. I, I was hoping when we went back to this location that we would see at least her in the background, maybe changing the record on the, you know. Maybe she has her own place or something. She just like, comes around every once in a while. That's true. I bet the giant's hard to live with. See, yeah. Sorry, go, keep, keep going. Season so four for Senorita Dido. Yeah, so uh, uh, the yeah. fireman does his swipe, and I think it goes from the Palmer house to, like, another location. And um, it looks like it's still in Twin Peaks, but we don't know, or at least I didn't know where it was. And then all of a sudden, the caged Mr. C um, is, I guess, not freed, but gets, moves towards that, uh, whatever those golden instruments are, those fallopian tubes or whatever that, um, like that uh, Laura's golden orb went through and got uh, shot out into the screen and ultimately to Earth, where something similar has happened with Mr. C, and he's actually cast off or into the screen, into this location, and we find out it is indeed in Twin Peaks, and when he turns around, it, he's right at the sheriff's station. So that's where they sent him, Mr. Or Major Briggs and the firemen. The plan was to you know, not take him to Sarah Palmer's because like we just talked about, that's probably where he wanted to go, um, but at the sheriff's station, and doesn't he say? Yeah, where they know Coop is going to show up, they want to like bring him to to where he can be taken. Yeah, because the lodge they help. Yeah, because Coop has yeah. the ring. Um, but doesn't he? Did you notice all the like that room in the background of all the different like satellite like alarms that were hidden in the back? There's a whole bunch of alarms. The giant has that huge. Yeah, alarm. and there was some yeah. static going yeah. on in the background, yeah. some electrical. There's one, yeah, there's a room in the back with like a hundred of those things lined. Yeah, up. very. very and then when so when Mister C is at the at the sheriff's station, he. He obviously is confused because doesn't he say like what is this? And uh, I don't know, but he has a weird new. It sounds like he has a new th- a little hairpin, like some sort of like uh, diamond encrusted. Some I don't know what it is, but he has a th- different thing holding up his hair. And it looks like they t- even in the scene where he's going into the lodge or the uh, the zone or whatever you want to call that place, he looks like an animal. Man, they made his eyes like look all dark and kind of weird. You know what I'm saying? I love the scene where he like meets Andy and everybody. <laughs> he looks like I mean, it's hilarious. Like hello, Andy. I don't remember how he does it, but uh, he looks like a complete. Evil doppel. Yeah, Andy. Uh, and well, I think when he yeah. arrives there, um, Naido <laughs> awakes, and that's when she's really starting to freak out and become even more agitated. And she's making these hand gestures like she's playing the piano, and Freddie and James are noticing it. But yeah, first person that Mr. C encounters is Andy, who, <laughs> who's uh, who's got like a it was a picnic bas- basket, right? Yeah, it reminded me of when like he was going Agent Cooper, Agent Cooper on the phone like a million times before the senior drill cup hung it up in season two, episode one. Uh, I like to hear him say Agent Cooper again. Nice. Right, Agent Cooper, times. you're back, and so he leads him into the station, and Lucy, and she instantly recognizes, and they don't suspect anything is wrong. Agent Cooper, and he's like, yeah. "Hello, Lucy." I just I love that. I think Lucy. Right. <laughs> I was like, that was great. <laughs> he probably has some, you know, I would say um, ulterior motives. I mean, we know Bob is eager for fun. He's a yeah. He does look well. He's probably sees Lucy in a different light. Lucy looks good. Um, I don't want to insinuate anything here, but we know obviously Mr. C is one evil dude. But uh, his line reading was hilarious, and uh, I think what he said doesn't he say that he wants to meet Sheriff Truman or talk to Sheriff Truman? Yes, I think so. And, uh, no, actually, I think, doesn't Sheriff Truman actually come out and meet him, I think? 
Uh, I can't remember. I, I don't think, think he, it was inside. I thought that he was brought to Sheriff Truman, but uh, no, I think not. he does, and I think they shake hands because I think what happened are like, doesn't he say, like Sheriff Truman, like confused, and then because obviously I think Mr. C even suspected it would be Harry and not Frank, and then I think he says, yeah. well, you know, Harry's not well, or, and they go into the office. Do you think if he said like, "Yes, my name is Harry Truman," he would have gone, "Okay," and he would have done? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> have tricked him. Just run him right to the jail what? cell. Come down to the jail. Just open up a cell. Well, him. doesn't Andy like suspect something and go running down? And and we cut to Chad. Yeah, he has his moment. Like he has his White Lodge moment, or he has his. Yeah, he he remembers something, which was uh, I can't remember what the clue was, but something triggers him. In well, I think what he he recalled one of his clues, the vision. That he had from the firemen of the of, of leading Lucy, oh yeah, leading Lucy yeah. in yeah. And yeah. now, now what we know, did he give her the gun? He had to have given her the gun and told her what to do. I, that's what I thought. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, totally. I think that's yeah. what happened. I like that. So Lucy wouldn't have thought of that because she kind of like preemptive strike a little bit, right? I was a little fast. Right. Like, oh, I can't remember how it went. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't ask him to stop or put his gun. She just plugged his ass. Well, good. this is all moving so fast, and there's a lot of, of information going on. And You missed Chad breaking Well, no, that's what I was going to talk about. Yeah, about so Chad yeah. has – he's waiting for – Shouldn't they have checked his boots at least? <laughs> they should have at least, like, you know, booked him normally. So just throwing him in the cell. He could have had, a, you know, anything. A bomb. He, he did have a key, which is – which I mean, that guy's got a guilty conscience. He walks around <laughs> with a master key, skeleton key for the jail <laughs> in case he ever gets cuffed and stuffed himself. Right. And they never don't check his boots. He not only had the master key for the cell, but he had um, another key for, I guess, his locker so he could get to his, his gun. Locker? Yeah. So basically Chad has yeah. this mission to escape. Uh, escape from Twin Peaks Sheriff's Station. He didn't have to create one of these fake dummy paper mache heads that uh, Clint Eastwood had to in the Escape from uh, uh, Alcatraz movie. Alcatraz. The only reason why I say that is because it reminded me of Duncan Todd's fake head when he got his head blown off. And we talked about that, but I digress <laughs> again. He did look like an Alcatraz <laughs> head, Todd. But, Todd. Um, so Todd basically, <clears throat> Naito is going nuts, and uh, Chad has escaped. And Andy is, I think Andy is putting it together in Andy's way, and he hurries down because I think he r- realizes something re- uh, related to Naido. But when he gets down there, Chad has already escaped, gotten his gun, and he's pointing the gun at Andy. He's call, I think he called Andy a pussy, and he's, I think he's about to plug him right then and there. Yeah, all this time, like, fucking Billy is fucking just clawing oh, yeah. at his face. Just like, I was like, yeah. what the fuck is going to happen with this dude? And nothing That's happened. Right, <laughs> yeah. But it was it was increasing the tension level like big time for me. I was like, what's gonna happen? I thought something was gonna right, pop. Right, with Naido there. making all those monkey sounds yeah, and he's freaking out. Yeah, he's ripping he finally ripped off that weird string bandage he had <laughs> that was like been just festering. It looks <laughs> right. completely infected underneath. So, and uh, and then yeah. Freddie, he realizes what he must do just like you suspected. I didn't think it yes. was gonna happen like this. He uses his magic green fist to punch through the cell. And knock Chad down to the ground, and Andy, good police work, immediately cuffs him. And uh, so we've got the end of the Chad storyline. Isn't it amazing how much screen time Chad had compared to some of our yeah. Twin Peaks regulars? Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, I like this ending, though. I liked how they did it. It was good. I think Chad, was, they, they, I enjoyed it. And Andy, I, I love this whole scene at the bottom. I thought it was, or the, the jail cell was fantastic. Right. So all three or four times we've gone down there. Yeah, right? it's, it, and it had been building. And, and looking back on it now, it, I was wondering if he shot Andy, like if Andy the entire time was like been wearing a, uh, a bulletproof vest, because he looks like he's like adding a fat suit on. 
just in case. It looked like an actual like pillow. Yeah. It was not the the costume design there. I give like a D minus for that one, but uh, that is funny. Yeah. But okay, so Lucy, so Mr. C is with Sheriff Truman. And their conversation... Having a strange, uh, very strange meeting. Right. <laughs> Sussing each other and, out. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Lucy gets a call, and it's line one. And this was another one of the clues that Andy saw. It was a phone with the blinking line one. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it was, was, there. It it was, was Agent Cooper on the phone. And he's with the Mitchum brothers and the, and the pink ladies. And he's like, Lucy, let me talk to Harry. <laughs> And uh, she uh, rises and, and is freaked out because, and this is a call to the um, earlier in the season when, when Lucy was so confused talking to Sheriff Truman with the cell phones, right? And she yeah. eventually figures out, like, the, and she even says it, I figured out cellular phones. But I wanted to mention before Andy went down, he offered Mr. C coffee. And Mr. C re- and he d- yeah he rejected it. I was like, oh, that's a huge sign. <laughs> right. He's like, no thanks. Right. <laughs> I like how he's like trying to smile at like Sheriff Truman. There's like a sneer. He couldn't quite smile. <laughs> right, right. So, so actually, Cooper's entering the town of Twin Peaks. Tells them that they'll be there in a second. And Frank is putting it together because Frank knows of the two Coopers. He knows enough that Mr. C is or Cooper is not Mr. C. Or Mr. C is not Cooper. I'm sorry. So confusing. And uh, there's this hesitation. And Mr. C realizes, I think, what's going on. And he pulls a gun. He draws first. And he shoots. And I thought he hit Frank in the head. Did you see his hat move? Uh, He pops his hat. I don't know what the hell was going on. I have no idea. But it didn't seem like it obviously hit. But I don't know why his hat popped up. But that was pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah, and immediately... And immediately, uh, uh, Cooper drops, or Mr. C drops to the ground. Who's behind him with a gun? It's, it's uh, Lucy. She it's apparently Lucy. doesn't need target practice like Andy did in the original That's series. Awesome. She, yeah. Yeah. She, she and then he's flat on the ground. And um, I think Frank is stunned. I think Andy shows up. And Andy, obviously, I think, knew some of these events which were going to transpire. Obviously not... Everything because he didn't recognize uh, Mr. C for being an imposter. But um, right after that, I think that uh, um, Andy leaves and says that he's going to go get Hawk and um, leaves the room. And he goes and gets Naido and James and Freddie. I think he actually got them. Actually, it's so much going on. I'm sorry, we've all, I've only seen this twice, but there's a lot of moving pieces here. Yeah, this scene was very insane with like fi- cross cuts yeah. all over the place. I, you don't ever see this in like Lynch. It was things were moving all they were moving fast with like five different stories. There was like literally like 14 different people in the sheriff's station <laughs> in this episode, <laughs> all at once, right. <laughs> right. including Bob. Yeah. Well, okay, here we go. So let's just cut to the meat of this scene. Here is that. Uh, Mr. C is on the ground. I think what Cooper told Frank on the phone when he realized that uh, Mr. C was there and he was just shot, not to touch the body. And Mr. C is on the ground. I think Hawk comes in. Andy comes in. I think everyone winds up in the room. And um, Truman says, no one touch him. Cooper says not to touch him. And then that's when the lights kind of dim and we get that cue, the Moonlight Sonata slowed down to like, you know, negative... Yeah, and the woodsmen show up in the Twin Peaks Sheriff Station. Amazing. And they're doing the same thing. 
Yeah, it's almost like nighttime at, outside too. Like they put like a solar eclipse. Like you go out and look, they cut outside to Cooper coming in, and it's like kind of dark. You know what I'm saying? Like they've they've cast a pall over. Yeah, no, I I totally recognize that when they showed up, it, it was darker. You're exactly right. Maybe the mother symbol was the eclipse, you know, covering the sun. But uh, yeah, but uh, <laughs> so the woodsmen are working their mojo like they did in part eight. I love the scene where they cut to the, like the close up of their hands, or just all their hands, like that above shot. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like I've never seen yeah. that shot before. Yeah. It was, was fantastic, awesome. and uh, and then I think Cooper shows up with the Mitchum brothers and Mandy, Candy, and Sandy. But I don't think we see them initially, and everyone is just startled of what you know they're seeing with the woodsmen. And then all of a sudden, what do we see? I'm cueing you, Murphy. Actually, you know. <laughs> oh, Bob, the Bob Orb. <laughs> you okay here? Well, I know what you want. You know, finally, Tom has been. Th- uh, you're one of the only ones that have theorized that Bob stayed in, and he did. So big ups to you, my friend. The Bob Orb comes coming out. It looks like a hardened, a hardened black coal, coal as night Bob Orb. And it starts like flying around the fucking room like a pinball, dude. <laughs> it's insane. Like it, it's and like things are like uh, you look at like the air vents above. Like everything starts moving. I mean, it's just it, it just freaks out the entire uh, station. And then like the Mitchell brothers, everyone's in this room. Like fifteen people, <laughs> and Bob just starts going fucking nuts like a killer pinball, just going, just taking bites out of things and just going nuts. And up comes. Our hero, who's going to save the day, That's buddy? right, Freddie Sykes. But before this, actually, yes. Bob, the first thing he does <laughs> is he attacks Coop. He sees Coop, and he goes right for Coop and knocks Coop onto the ground. And Coop is on the yes. ground, and then Bob goes for Freddie. And I'm assuming... Why would he go for Freddie? Why doesn't he just go into Coop? Well, I I, Coop is on the ground. He must know, just like Bob is eager for fun. I think he's omniscient. Mr. C was omniscient. Knew that the fight was between him and Freddie and not with Coop, which is, this is kind of in like superhero territory. I don't really watch these movies, but even though I love the scene and I love seeing Bob, and this is a great way of incorporating Bob and Frank Silva into the narrative. They've done a fantastic job, but it was a, <laughs> it's a goddamn boxing match battling buds, Bob versus fucking Freddie, man. It was a, but isn't round it a little match, absurd. It was, like, it was insane. It was insanely absurd. It was crazy. It was seemed, it seemed like an acid trip from the first original series, actually in a weird way with like all 14 characters in the room. Like I, w- I kind of wanted a little real reality. I wanted some people like fleeing right. like some real like reactions. Like I want the Mitchum brothers out the door. Like I wanted some, but that didn't happen because it's, I mean, they're, this is like stylized as fuck, yeah. dude. This is pure Twin Peaks magic. So I went with the ride, but it was hilarious. I thought Freddie could have, you know, got sustained a little bit more damage. You got like a bloody well, nose. Was Bob That's it. eating his face Bob, uh, like mother dude the mother yeah the the mother yeah the mother was eating some faces way better he needs to sharpen <laughs> his teeth Bob. he's getting old well there could be a reason why everyone reacted the way they they did and a reason why a lot of our storylines unfolded the way that they did um and i'll talk about this in a little bit but it's related to the dreamer and when we have a dreamer um there are people or characters who live inside a dream so, um, I'll go, like I said, I'll go into that a little bit later. But we have this. I mean, it keeps going on. This, this ep for a long time, dude. It's awesome, dude. And I love he goes like, "Catch you in the oh, death bag." Wasn't that he awesome, that, Bob? That was yeah. great. <laughs> it's great. So not only, and they really did a good job, like with the face. Like they really like made him terrifying, and he looked like a different. Like it didn't look like completely recycled Bob face. You know what I mean? Like they did a nice job. Oh, I, I, I completely agree. They were able I loved to. It. I thought they really like, uh, manipulate up. his. Uh, 
features and where he was grinning is you know, sneering and it was yeah and who knows maybe they they you know there were all these existing <laughs> expressions from bob and they meticulous meticulously uh put it all together but i completely agree i thought it was uh, really a great job to incorporate uh, frank silva bob uh, the way that they did and um i thought it was incredible I, like i said i thought it was a little absurd um, this battle between freddie and was Mr. C did, was was he on the yeah, ground this yeah, entire time? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> no one tripped over him at all. I think there'd be people tripping all over the place. <laughs> no one was really moving, right? <laughs> no one even took cover. Yeah, that's what I think. It was like they were frozen. Because remember, like it was two, it was three fifty three or whatever on the clock after this whole thing ends. Like stick on stuck on time. It was it wasn't moving. Well, you know what I mean? no, I. Maybe the whole thing was. Yeah, crazy I mean, there were several um, references to two fifty three, not only throughout our story, but in this particular episode and in the uh, the next episode. But this battle kept on uh, going. Like we thought maybe that Bob had been thwarted. And they kept cutting back to Coop, and he was kind of like he was kind of like Rocky's uh, manager. Like, come on, Rocky, you can do it. Like, come on, Freddie. <laughs> That's right. Like, one more time. <laughs> <laughs> so he knew. Coop knew about Freddie, obviously. Yeah. And he knew. Uh, so, because I think he, he even called him Freddie. And uh, and so Freddie finally, eventually, like, pops Bob. He has popped Bob a couple of times. Bob had actually gone, I think, away briefly at some point and then returned with the fury of his own momentum. And Freddie finally got in the kill shot and the Bob bubble, like, broke up into all these different pieces and disintegrated or disappeared. And I don't know what the uh, insinuation is. I, I, I never thought... He had to smash him, like, through the ground with a giant fireball, and then it came back up again, and then he had to smash him up against the wall. And so when the Bob... Pieces. I don't think Bob's dead, So when though, the Bob right? bubble, like, actually burst, the final kill shot, is that when we had the fire, um, like, come out... No, I think what happened is he smashed him down through the, the ground, and then the fire came up, oh. and everyone thought he was, oh, he's dead. And then comes, like, the orb again, and then he had to punch him out one more time with the super wind-up, and that's when he exploded okay. or burst into okay. pieces. Okay, all right. So, see, I, I don't— And disappeared up, up into the ceiling, which made me think, like, he's not gone. He just broke up. He'll be yeah, gone. I don't think you can kill Bob, Bob will be back. Uh, unless that was a super-duper, like, a kryptonite back. glove. Yeah. You know, that Bob has one— Ooh. Uh, one thing that he's vulnerable to, but I, I don't think Bob is is dead. I don't think he can kill Bob. But obviously, for the time being, in this for now, he's been smited. Yeah, yeah he's been vanquished. And then, so now, Mister C is on the floor, lifeless, and I'm assuming that he won't return like he did in Part Eight because Bob would never left him. So he is he is without Bob, and he is presumably dead. And Cooper, uh, he looks he dead. Di- it, it, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was gross. I was like, "Wow, he really yeah. looks dead." Like, dead. Uh, Lynch does dead really good. I mean, he does it very stylized. Sometimes Lynch does, he do does dead yeah, good. dead really yeah. good. So, Mister or Cooper puts the ring on Mister C, and this was something I talked about. I didn't think we would see um, the scene uh, unfold the way that it did. It, it, for me, it just seemed telegraphed, and uh, I, like I said, I, I liked it, but I didn't think it would happen just like this and of course it does and he puts the ring on and mr c disappears we don't see uh where he goes just yet but we see the ring in the lodge or the red room on the floor and that storyline for the time being is is over and now we're left with the aftermath and yeah the gang and bobby bobby shows up hey what did i miss (laughs) (laughs) He missed the whole thing. Right. He's probably the John or something. I don't know where he went. Oh, how could he? That's right. That's right. So, okay, I think, like, Cooper is still, like, like on a mission 
Um, it's not over. There's not the the slaps on the backs. I think he asks Truman if he has the Great Northern Hotel key, right? So yeah. all of these things, yeah. a lot of these um, little like plot threads, these little mysteries that we've had scattered throughout, they're all kind of tie, tying together. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And here, the room key, which was a big, um, uh, you know, for me, it was a big mystery because it was related to uh, Coop. Yeah, yeah I like, like how how they so he, he asked yeah. for the room key. He's got yeah. it. And then I think Cooper um, says something about Cole and like, and he should be here right now. And then <laughs> <laughs> and Gordon Cole, who should be here right now. Here he is. That was great. <laughs> they show up. So there are more people added to the mix, right? Perfect timing. So, yeah. yeah. So no matter how late Gordon was, it was perfect timing. Right. With Albert and Tammy. And uh, of course, like you said, Bobby. And uh, I think at this point, if I'm not mistaken, um, this is where, like, we see the image of Cooper, like another image, like superimposed yes. over the rest of the scene, right? Yes, I think it's when Naido shows up and he like looks oh. at Naido. Like she comes looking, trying to come to him, going chirp, chirp, chirp. Because I think he's like, I'm out of here or something. I'll see you guys later. And uh, she's like, wait a second. And so Naido comes like running up, and I think James and Freddie have to hold her back. And then I think he starts to have the realization of her. She turns into a lodge face, and it goes into the lodge, and I think that's when his face superimposes over everything. What right, right. Okay, so right before that, I believe, when Bobby came in, that Cooper tells Bobby and everyone else that Briggs, Major Briggs, um, was aware of like all of these events like many years ago uh, from information that he gathered and brought together, brought or brought the information to... Um, Cooper and Cole, and that's when Cole shows up. Then, then that's when the pink ladies like arrive with the food, and everyone's eating, and it's all happy. But then that's when Candy has a good line. Yeah, what does she say? I think she goes like, "Good thing I've made some sandwiches." Oh, that's <laughs> right. That's food. right. <laughs> right. I think so, Bob, one of the Mitchell brothers is like, you know, like, this, like record books, one for the grandkids. <laughs> that's all he said <laughs> about that shit. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> Isn't it kind of got this Wizard of Oz kind of feel? Yeah, uh, all yeah. these people. I like that they've of... seen everything too. The Mitchum brothers, like remember when he was in a coma, he came in last episode or whatever. And they're like, yeah, no, we've seen these things all the time. <laughs> right, you know, right. We'll snap out of it. That's they've right. Seen these too, well, the big thing, I guess, the, the Naido thing. Like when Cooper sees Naido, and I don't know if he's seen her at any point previous to this, but obviously the connection between the two of them from her. part three, and she seems to sense. Obviously, she's blind that Cooper is near and she approaches and then he approaches and I think she holds up her hand and yeah, they touch hands the palms kind of yeah like. and then that's when what you described is that her face we see behind her face and it's the actual red room it's it turns to like her head almost starts almost turning to smoke for a while I was like oh no is she gonna right. be doppled or, or toppled out but uh yeah, no, it goes into a beautiful shot. Like that shot transition of her face into the uh, red room was striking before it, that monster or before she started to implode. You know what I mean? That little creature. St- I don't know how you describe whatever happened to her face, but it was very beautiful. Um, yeah. And who was it? It was Diane. Diane yes. was Naido. So, uh, you know, props to everyone who put that together. I didn't. Uh, yes. She I shows up with the red wig. I was like, is that Lil? Was she Lil? She kind oh, of Lil'd that's... up. Looked a little Lilish. Oh, that's. Right? Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. That's good. Yeah, that is okay. That hey. makes sense. Yeah, the red. Yeah, well, I mean, cool. I, I mean, 
I, I, I've always loved Laura Dern. She's been incredible throughout and so stylized. Her look, her nails, her outfits, everything, her hair, her bob. But I love the red hair. And I don't really go for the red hair on the ladies. This is a little personal insight. But she looked great. I, I, I thought she looked fantastic. Yeah, she looked very Lilish, and she was wearing Nida's outfit, but uh, they were, like, to get finally reunited, and, like, uh, they, they had a really deep makeout session, which made me a little uncomfortable. Yeah, without really saying anything, <laughs> right? I, just... I thought the Mitchell brothers would be like, aren't you cheating on your wife? Uh, what's your, what about uh, Janine, buddy? Well, doesn't also Cooper say, like, at some point, um, now there are some things that will change, uh, mm-hmm. like, from like obviously in the future like things are going to change and that's when we see his face like this whole scene at this aftermath is taking place with a huge image of Cooper superimposed I think everyone knows that that's watching this or that's reading they're listening to this podcast they've all watched it (laughs) we all know What? No what? No, everyone knows that everyone's watched it already, so we know they know that the the big head, the big Oh no no I'm just saying with Cooper's line now everything will change. Um, and uh, I just think that was an important uh, 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 kind of clue. And then that clock, like you mentioned, the 253 kind of stuck, right? Going like moving forwards and backwards yeah. briefly. Just uh, yeah. just kind of like very interesting that uh, obviously the 253. But um, and uh, and do, has, have you already mentioned that we live inside the dream thing? Oh, no. Did, OK. Did, so he said we live inside the dream. Yeah, he did it in slow motion. That's right. <laughs> like, Holy fuck. Yeah. He's the dreamer. Well, didn't. Right? Yeah. And then Hawk nodded at some point. Like Hawk seems to like understand that there's one shot of Hawk when Cooper says this and Hawk just nods. And I like that because yeah. Hawk is like, you know, he's deeply spiritual. But yeah, so much information going on here. And then does it like, how does the scene wrap up? Does it wrap up with the, I don't, I've got my notes here, but uh, doesn't he like him and Diane like start to hold hands and then that's when he says. Uh, I think something crazy starts to happen and he's like, Gordon, like everything starts going crazy wackadoo again. Um, you know, once he basically tells everyone goodbye, and then you'll see him in the, uh, see him in the, what does he call? See him in the, I, I think <laughs> I, I, the I, curtain call, see him for my curtain call. <laughs> <laughs> No, doesn't he say, like, I see? I, I hope I see all of you again, like every single one of you. And then yeah. that, that's when the lights go down. And I think Coop says... Oh, yeah, he says curtain call later before he goes into... Yeah, no, thing. Coop says Gordon, or, and Gordon says Coop. Coop. And uh, then we see, like, a black and white image of Cooper. And then I think we're, we cut... See, it to- feels like he just dreamed that, you know what I'm saying? And, like, the, now the dream is imploding on itself. It's almost like Inception again, like, if you think of it that way, if he is the dreamer. But keep going. This was well, a fairy no, tale, I, and now here it is imploding again. It only lasted for so long. Well, you know? I, I want to tie it all. I mean, I want to really kind of talk about that when we get into part 18 because the scenes in the lodge in part 18, like the first 10 minutes or so of, of part 18, I think are tied to this this notion of the dream, the dreamer, and the events that we've seen. So let's kind of wrap that. And we're kind of close, but actually yeah, we won't get ahead um, of ourselves. Cooper and, uh, and Diane and Cole are in the furnace room. Now, we don't know how they got there. Um, I don't think it's important, but the three of them are together and we hear the hum, the mysterious hum. And we're in the the same location that James was at um, in part, I want to say part 13, 13, 14. Yeah. 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 Um, And Cooper's leading them to that door where James was going. And we didn't find out what was behind that door at that point. But Cooper produces the ring or excuse me, the, the key. And he puts the key in the door and I think he says to uh, Cole and uh, and Diane that I'm going through the door. Don't try to follow yeah, me. Don't try to follow me. Yeah. And then Cooper and Diane hug and then Cole and, and Cooper shake hands. And then that is when Cooper says, yeah, see at the curtain call. Yeah. Which I thought 
Didn't you think part 18, the end, there was going to be this kind of uh, mini reunion with all the characters somewhere? Uh, no, I didn't think anything. I just let it go. But I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I thought it was kind of meta, like the curtain calls when you're like sta- an episode later when they're all like getting standing ovation, which is what I think Lynch wants, right? He wants a standing right. ovation. So right. see, the curtain call was a little meta thing, I thought. But no, I don't know what it meant. I have no idea. I have no idea, but I loved it. Yeah, no, it was. I, I thought it was a great line. I, I just assumed that it had something to do with the, the finale. I thought there would be some kind of reunion because I didn't know what was going to transpire in the following hour. And it was, like I said, completely different than what my expectations were. But uh, we next see Cooper in darkness. And this is the shot that we've all seen. When I watch it on, on Hulu, this is the shot that they show before every show. It's Cooper emerging from darkness, coming to the light, and he's got a, you know, I wouldn't say a strange expression, but, you know, kind of a, you know, indifferent expression and it reminds me of the shot in Lost Highway very very similar of Bill Pullman's character Fred Madison emerging from the dark and coming towards the camera and we see uh, Coop at that point after he emerges and um, he is he's, I think he sees the one-armed man who comes to him and the yes. one-armed man is not in the lodge and he speaks normally and not backwards oh, he gives us the poem do it <laughs> what is it <laughs> through, the, through darkness. the darkness the magician yeah a future's past. Yeah, yeah, the magician longs to see. All then, the way, it was great to hear him do it in his regular voice, dude. I yeah, love that. Yeah, and then to hear "Firewalk with Me," we had not heard "Firewalk with Me" in the entire yes. series, Firewalk. and obviously the events of uh, the recent events, uh, more so uh, pertaining to "Firewalk with Me." As the series has gone on, there have been more and more. Um, kind of call not callbacks but the fire walk with me film that has really played more of an important part in the narrative it's really really been building and we've had some flashbacks to fire walk with me mostly related to the, uh, the 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 scene with Bowie's character Philip Jeffries but when he says this poem to hear fire walk with me it was just fantastic and then um, I think what we do is we get some static and some double images of both the one armed man and uh, and Cooper and then all of a sudden they're walking down that hallway just like Mr. C with the woodsman in the convenience store. So what the hell does that mean? What the fuck? I was like, what is happening? What is happening? How is he in there? And so, dude, they go down the whole hallway. It's freaking me out. And I'm like, well, maybe he's, uh, maybe like the Winter Man somehow allowed him to, you know, dream his way into this spot without being attacked. Um, But then he's going up those stairs after going through that long hallway, the creepy ass woodsman stairs, and then we get that scene, the Showtime shot that we've been waiting for the whole season, that scary ass. I think he goes all the way up and walks in, right? And then we get the rocketing, crazy stairs, and the fucking uh, uh, jumping man comes down and oh, looks terrifying, God, dude. I know. That is the scariest jumping man I've ever seen in my life. That was freaking me out, man. That was... And it's like almost like it's a trap. You know, I don't know. but Or, or I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Well, How is he allowed to be there? Well, I, I, it's so, I mean, I really, we'll talk more about this at some I point. I guess the convenience store is the part of the lodge after all. <laughs> we were wondering. I, I still, is, I still right? don't think so. I still, I really don't. The fact, obviously where they're going, they wind up going through the door just like Mr. C did. And, and there were no woodsmen at all there. None. None. Now, are, have they been eradicated now that Bob and Mr. C 
well, we don't know if Bob is dead, but Mr. C is gone, and Bob is seemingly uh, not relevant at this point. Is that the reason why they were allowed to go or enter into the convenience store? Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, that's a possibility. I mean, yeah, because we didn't I see any. We didn't. That. Yeah, we saw no more woods. But well, we saw the running. We saw the jumping man. Though. That's all we saw. Yeah, the that's right. Man right. And we assume that the jumping man is somehow connected to Sarah. Sarah. Because, yes. Ah, yeah. Yes. So okay, yeah. so they go to. Um, <laughs> They go to um, through that door, and it's that same location. It's the Red Diamond Motel from Firewalk with Me, and they go up to the door. It's the Jeffries. It's the Jeffries room, and we have another scene. Philip Jeffries. Yes, another teapot scene. Another. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this was hilarious. Yeah, I keep going. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was great. I mean, I I've always suspected that perhaps that Jeffries was somehow uh, connected to or coordinating with. Briggs or the one-armed man, Spirit Mike. And I think this is confirmation. Now, I don't want to go too much into um, what I think about how it's related to part two and all the events with Ray, but I think that really my original theory of Philip Jeffries maybe being imprisoned in the convenience store and kind of guarded by the woodsmen um, and now freed, now that Mr. C is no more, allowing the one-armed man and Cooper to go visit him and get some very pertinent information um, because as soon as um, they're in the room together, um, when Cooper says Philip, and I love that Philip says, "Please be specific and yeah. slippery <laughs> He's in like here." An oracle. Didn't he say that? I know. I said it's slippery. In here. <laughs> I love that. It's slippery in here. Yeah. <laughs> and then he started giving like some like small thing and small talk while he's looking up looking up the numbers. He's like, well, so, no- uh, like how's uh, Gordon? Tell Gordon I said hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was Briggs, wasn't it? <laughs> like, no, I thought he said uh, is it Briggs. Who did he say? I thought it was it was Gordon. Oh, I thought he said oh, Gordon would have the official. Uh, no, like I the think it was. Bri- I think report. he said, "Say hello to Garland. He'll remember the unofficial oh. version." Oh, that's good. That's way better with Garland. Because like then that. that ties into, I think, some of our previous plot lines. <laughs> if Briggs and yeah. Jeffries with the coordinates. Yeah, Briggs and Jeffries. Yeah, Ooh, but that's good. Cooper. That's good. Uh, oh, it's good. Um, Cooper says after Jeffries says. Be specific. He tells him two twenty three eighty nine, and we know that date is the day Laura Palmer was murdered. So when Jeffries gives him that date, um, I think he says there may be someone, or this is where you'll find Judy. Doesn't he say that? This is where you'll yeah. find Judy, and there may be someone. And um, or he goes, you're looking for this, and he does. He shows the symbol. Yeah, but doesn't he say so? He, he asks him that the, turns into like a, yeah, it turns into like an infinity eventually. Well, it was the owl. The little red circle. It turns into the owl symbol that was kind of like the mother symbol, right? Right. But not really. Right. And then it turns into like the two diamonds on top of each other, which morph into an uh, eight, which is like infinity, I guess. I mean, I guess infinity should be uh, horizontal. But then it had a little red, little red orb in the eight. Did you notice that? It was, it looked yeah. black to me. But you're colorblind, okay, so maybe. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe your TV little was a dot yeah. in there. I was like, what is that? Yeah. And it like, kept on like mean? moving, right? Like it was searching or it was just going back and forth time and time again. It's infinity. It's just going to oh. keep happening again. What well, does it? Doesn't, so right when this is going on, Jeffrey says, did you ask me this? Or I think that's his final line of dialogue. If I'm not yeah, mistaken. Like he's getting insane. Like he's losing it or something. I don't know. Or did you like, I think when he's looking through his files and he's like, did you, are you looking for this? Oh, and he pulled it up. Okay. All right. Because yeah, then did he you says, ask for this? right. He's like, pull, look, he's rummaging through his rummage drawer and he found that. Okay. Now that, that, yeah, that makes sense. And then, uh, and then I, at some point he says, there it is. 
you can go in now. Yeah. And then I think he says, Cooper, remember. And I think that's his last not, last line. And then that's when the one-armed man says, electricity. electricity. And I don't know if it was forwards or backwards. Did you? No, I think he did it normal. Okay, all right. He did electricity. And then Cooper's eyes closed. Or maybe not. But he didn't, also, he didn't shield his eyes this time, I noticed, the one-armed man from the electricity this time. Right. No, he, he didn't. He took the brunt. He didn't. Yeah. He only does that and, when a tulpa is... Uh, and didn't they have a cut where it was like they're cutting to like Coop's, Coop's head and his head, hit Coop's head, his head. And it was like really like Al Bell's like, I think he has a false eye. <laughs> and it looked really creepy and awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what happened when after he recited the poem. Um, they had both those yeah, images with the static. So yeah. yeah. But um, so Cooper, I think everything turns to black and white at this point and his eyes close and we hear the ceiling fan. Which was awesome. Uh, the Palmer Laura ceiling fan. Yes. <laughs> and we see the shot, don't we? Yes, we see the ceiling fan. We're like, holy shit. And then we're at the Palmer house, right? Yeah, briefly, right? Because, well, no, not briefly, because now we have, we're going back and we're watching like 10 minutes of Fire Walk with Me. Fire Walk with Me. Yeah, boom. Coop's going back in time like Doctor Who now. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. He's done. No, no, no. Yeah, and then, so you see Leland and stuff creepily looking at James and Laura. Not like Doctor Who, like Briggs and Jeffries. Yeah, okay, well, there you go. So they're, they're time, time Lords as well. I agree. Yeah, maybe this Cooper now has earned his stripes and could yeah. and is now part of the— Well, this is what we theorized. We kind of theorized this a little bit. But yeah, yeah dude, I love it. This is great. Well, go ahead and go, go into the, the Fire Walk <laughs> With Me aspect of it. Oh, dude, I think the Fire that, that scene was so great. When that happened, I was like, we are in some genius territory because it just kind of it just was so remarkable. And it reminded me of this, of course, remembering the scene when it originally went down. And I love seeing the different angles. And it was like B-rolls, different yes! takes, and yes. uh, black and white. And then the scene where she in real Firewalk with me, she just screams. She sees something in the dark. And we never knew what it was. Well, guess who it was? It was fucking Cooper. That was incredible. <laughs> he was lurking and she saw it. And I was like, holy shit, that's so good. Oh. Now we're getting to like rewriting time and all kinds of weird stuff. So he was there to observe her and try to help her, I think, from being killed that night. That was why he said the date of her death. He's trying to go back and rewrite history here. And uh, it works, you know, it works. He's, uh, you know, basically everything plays out the way it normally would play out. But when she's going to go jump off at Sparkwood in 21 to go have her party with uh, Leo and Renette and Jacques, <laughs> they're all waiting out there, but she never comes out of the trees this time. They're still waiting. And I love the B-roll of all them waiting out there drinking the beer. And, and that was awesome. That was and so great. She's in, yes. Yeah, dude, that was great. And then Cooper, like she, he intercepts her and he, she's like, who are you? And he's like, like, I don't know if he says anything, but she's like, I know you. Like, yeah, you've, I've, you've been in a dream of mine. And so I was like, he is the fucking dreamer. He's <laughs> standing there silent, uh, and he's leading. Where are you, you going to take me? I'm going to take you home. And uh, so we get this amazing scene uh, through the woods where uh, he's following her, and we're like, well, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. So you can take it from here. Well, no, I, I just wanted to ask you when she said, um, do I know you? Did you think, like, subconsciously or consciously – if she was going to follow that up with, like, you look familiar from Final Yeah, I thought that it was a similar line reading. Right. Do I know you? You look familiar. Yeah. Well. Yeah, and it was interesting the way they did CGI uh, to make Laura look. I don't know, because that scene was not filmed, the one when she was uh, meeting Cooper. No, so you, no. you theorize that that was really Cheryl Lee current, and they just CGI'd her to make her look, you know, 21. Yeah, no, I thought that was fantastic to keep her, you know, like, at a, at a little bit of a distance 
but yet still make out that it was Laura Palmer, bad wig and all from Firewalk with Me. But she did look like <laughs> Laura Palmer. I was just why, why did they make her wear the bad wig? Why did they do that? Well, it was it seems so like at some point like in yeah. the original like, she would cut her hair, or had her hair cut, and then Lynch would bring her back. Oh, for a dream that's right. Sequence. She was in like a movie where she cut her hair. Short. Backbeat, right. I, I think by uh, Backbeat. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But um, right, sorry, go ahead. so she had this. But at some point, like at the end of Firewalk with Me. When her hair was all like you know styled, I thought it looked great. But it's, at other points, it just looked really, really awful. And I know there's these like you know bad wig like uh, contingency or coterie of people who you know are just they just hate the wig. But I've always found it endearing. But it was kind of like fifties, like nineteen fifties style yeah. as well. You know what I'm saying kind of like set yeah. hair with hairspray and the stuff. So yeah, yeah but when ahead. she when exactly. she like you said screams and we see Cooper now every time I watch Firewalk with Me now see that scene I'm gonna be thinking of. Cooper is right there because yes. I, it's so so they're tying the lore and that's what's so great they're tying the beginning everything together in a wonderful way that I've really loved like seeing the flashbacks to the original series that were about to talk yeah, and about. I also so. liked how she recognized him from her dream that she saw him in a dream which ties yes. in with her diary and yeah she probably had that dream in her diary what like the night yeah, before or like, something a couple days yeah, yeah exactly and that really ties yeah. that whole scene with Annie in the uh, in her bed I just I, that was perfection I mean this whole for me the whole series you know of course i've got some minor quibbles here and there but overall it's a complete (laughs) masterpiece and this here part 17 this culmination of seeing cooper and laura together i never imagined it would be like this pure genius on lynch and frost's part i love this scene and 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 cole or cooper is leading her he takes her hand and he's leading her home again and oh just so beautiful but then at some point I don't know what happens, but he loses her, and he. You hear the crickets chirp, the little scratching from the beginning of oh, episode that's one. Right. You hear the sound. Listen to the sounds. Yes. Oh. Wait, wait, wait! Doesn't she change history first? What? No, what, no, no. What, what about that okay, part? okay. So when he's leading her, right? So don't we actually cut to since he since she didn't meet with Jacques, Leo, and Renette, and he's leading her through the woods. Then we cut to the events of the pilot. Of seeing Josie yes. and seeing Pete, her, her, they they cut straight to her corpse, so like it wrapped in plastic. Yeah, meat. and it disappears, like it never happened. Yeah. And then yeah. we see the events unfold with Pete, Josie, and Catherine. And then we see a shot of Pete fishing, like inst- yeah, and he just goes fishing. That that was never in the original series of him walking, right? I never saw that. Or was that well, no, when he was series? walking, was he what really he did was like he that? was walking, and then you saw Laura's body wrapped in plastic in the background but what they did was oh, they yeah, were able okay. to obviously to take that out <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. then i think they inserted that shot of pete fishing a long shot obviously it wasn't jack nats uh, jack nance he sadly passed in uh i think 1996 or 7 and uh so that so the events of the original series now i mean this is mind blowing did not occur have not occurred laura didn't die and that means agent cooper yeah. never came to town <laughs> And didn't like it wasn't Josie like supposedly she's supposed to like look forlorn and look off, but wasn't she like humming a tune because everything had been changed? Oh, she like, was she, in the she original was series, right? Was she humming a yeah, tune? Yeah, she in the was. Was she humming now? Oh, okay, I thought it was a different. I was like, is that is she reacting? Differently? Oh no, because I think it's Laura wasn't dead. Yeah, yeah okay. There was some B roll <laughs> firewalk with me, like you said, but I think the shots from the pilot are are like verbatim. They're exactly. See Catherine? Yeah. yeah. So we got to see Josie. She still hates. She still hates her husband. <laughs> yeah. And Jack Nance was uh, in memory of Jack Nance at the end of Part 17. Yes. But anyway, okay, yes. so so now what we have, this is the total mind bender, Part 17. Laura Palmer, 
It never died. Agent Cooper never went to investigate her murder. He's leading her home again. Now, what this means, I don't know, because Leland is still somewhere, right? As Bob, I would presume. Yeah, I was like, you don't want to go right? home. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's go. Not that right, home. Exactly. Yeah. But at some point, he loses her. Like her, you know, she, their hands, you know, come apart. And as soon as you hear that scratching sound, a right. little scratching, you hear the sound. And then he turns and he hears the scream of Laura, which is the yes. exact scream that she made in part two when she got yes. taken from the lodge, right? Yeah, and it's like he didn't even get to see her sucked away. She just disappeared. She's gone. And like the scream is coming from the trees. Like she has been absorbed back into the trees. Like every time you try to get her out, the trees suck her back right. in. That's right. The trees. Didn't she have that line like in Fire Walk With Me? Like, the trees, the trees. Always talking about the woods, getting lost in those woods. I know I'm going to get lost in those woods tonight. So the evil in the woods wouldn't let her go, man. So, yeah. So she gets pulled out. Cooper is left completely and utterly confused because I think this is what he believes his his mission is, to find Laura and to bring her home. And he's just staring off into the woods. Tears in his eyes, dude. He's shocked, stunned. And we dissolve to the roadhouse and Julie Cruz is on stage singing The World Spins and made me think of the end of episode 14 where Cooper was left with kind of almost the same expression realizing that he had failed after the giant said it is happening again and his face slowly is superimposed over the drapes presumably foreshadowing that he's going to be lost within the lodge at some point, which of course he is. And it was just an incredible ending. And we still had one more hour. Dude, it made, brought me to tears again. And it was like, <laughs> wow, you wouldn't have thought that like that after all this and he goes, to, he's going to save Laura that he couldn't save her, dude. That's the real, that was a, like, cause you were all been led to think that here comes Coop on this mission and it's all going to work out now. Finally, didn't work out and it was like I was stunned and uh, I was it was very moving and just what a shocking chock full episode like dude what uh, amazing I was like that could have been the end if you wanted it to be and that's why I thought like maybe that was the, the last script they showed so showtime <laughs> and they were pitching it <laughs> Oops. so Lynch and Frost kept gotcha. that one in their back pocket and uh, yeah. that was part of the... Like, you know, we're just going to add a little bit to the end of it. Uh, we're gonna, actually, we're going to make another... Just go ahead and push that one to 17. You'll love it. <laughs> and they're like, what? Because we have the mother of all 18s coming, which completely is the ultimate mindfuck. What do you want to talk about? Like, to put a you know cherry on top of the, the episode 17. Like, what were your thoughts? Like, going into this, like, my mind was fucking blown to bits. Yeah, no, mine as bits. well. Um, from start to finish, completely amazing. Um the things that were uh, tied together, uh, the things that uh, that transpired that were completely unexpected, seeing Bob again in that way, um, the return of Cooper to Twin Peaks, Andy and Lucy, um, all of these events coming together, seeing like Freddy's destiny, and th- th- then still getting even more mysterious with Naido and Diane and the notion of the dreamer and that this might... this whole reality that we've been seeing very well might be a dream um, or at least a a different timeline. We've always, maybe not always, but 
suspected that there were some inconsistencies and more than meets the eye going on. And with Cole's, uh, uh, you know, the dream, Monica Bellucci dream, and who is the dreamer and Cooper being there and trying to remember all this stuff, I think we got a very um, a good indication of that this is all kind of through Cooper's eyes or through his, I don't know, some, like an, an altered experience of some sort. But uh, really from start to finish, it, it felt like, uh, obviously an incredible episode, but it was the ending. I, I really believe that this is what they go, this is how it should be ended with all of our characters in Twin Peaks, everything, but we have an epilogue and the epilogue is going to be another hour <laughs> and it's going to be uh, completely turn everything you know on its head in its own Lynchian way and lead uh, uh, leave us with more questions and answers, which I didn't think that they would do. So, um, I, I, my thought here was that like, you know, it's like, think about this. Like he was just in, all he did was pop him into that scene the night she died. Right. And he got, he, he intercepted her in between James and Leo and Jacques and Renette. And he got her to change the course, right. Of right. her life. And that thereby saved her life. Uh, but only how they couldn't even get out of the damn woods. <laughs> it didn't last long, did it? Till she got literally sucked away into evil without even being necessarily having to be killed by Leland right. later on that night. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like the evil's that big that it, it said we don't like you fucking with the timeline, and it sucked her back. Right. So, like that's what makes me think that he's not necessarily the dreamer, uh, some god omnipotent, and that everything's in his head. Maybe it is, or maybe you could say he's some sort of time traveling guy <laughs> who's trying to do all these great deeds. You know what I mean? And uh, you know. I think there's two interpretations of, of what this means. Um, he might be Doctor Who, or he might be dreaming all this stuff and it's all in his head, and he's just some well, loop, you, you know. And but never it, get you out. could look at it in another way that um, it's not perceived as a negative or a failure that she was plucked at that point um, for a very good reason, um, because the events that uh, would would ultimately unfold. I mean, with Leland, with her parents, with Sarah and Leland we know what happened. Like Leland still presumably would have Bob in him and yeah, he and we know normal. what happened. Sarah would have been normal. It, exactly. So <laughs> it might've been done for like a different reason. Uh, but, uh, but we'll get into this in part. Of I do want to ask you one question though. How many times have you cried during this entire series? Not much. I mean, but obviously in the last two episodes or whatever it was, like, I can't think of crying at all. Like in any, oh, well, maybe, no, no, not at all. Except for just uh, the casino scene, Mr. Jackpots, when she said, when they say goodbye, when he says goodbye to Janie and Sonny Jim. And oh, then that. Uh, that Big Ed and Norma? Oh, God. Waterworks there, too, three. <laughs> There may be a million. I don't know. But I always think of like, like, for example, when I watched the end of The Leftovers, dude, I was gushing tears. Like I, The Leftovers makes me cry. But Twin Peaks is more um, analytical and intellectual. And, uh, you know, I normally don't cry. For, I never cried uh, in the original series or in Firewalk with me. But those moments, this at the end of this episode certainly did. And I wasn't gushing waterworks like the, like the Big Ed, which I was crying tears of joy. And then the Cooper, Janie, where I was crying tears of sadness that maybe they were never going to see each other again this was a different type of tears um but there yeah. were tears the big ed and norma yeah, uh, scene was just uh, for me that was the most emotional that was the emotional high point of, of the series for me and yeah, yeah that was great. and i'm glad that we didn't really for me was... i'm glad we didn't get another scene with them because for me that that scene was perfect uh, perfection i didn't want to see anything with them i want to remember them as they are in that particular scene i hope we see a, a, a season four uh, but that was just pure perfection. But, um, okay, so let's get into part 18 because, I mean, we're 
like an hour plus into it. We still got a lot to talk about. I guess we could wrap it up and start a new one. <laughs> we're going, my friend. We're going. Yeah, we're going. Keep going. So go. the very first shot of part 18 is incredible. It reminded me of part three where Cooper's still like careening through space. Like, oh, ah! and we see Mr. C in the lodge, like in F, like burning in effigies, like a flames and his eyes yes, are no longer black. Awesome, if you notice, dude. his eyes are like gray, <laughs> lifeless. Oh, it was fantastic. And he does the tulpa shuffle and uh, disappears, and we're left with a little gold pearl. And we see the one-armed man who's back in his domain. He's, uh, he's got some frequent flyer miles there from uh, all of his travels, his otherworldly uh, travels. He's back in the lodge, and he's got Cooper's hair, and he places it atop of the gold bead. And we get a manufactured Cooper, who is Dougie, but with Cooper in him and not Mr. C, right? Yeah, it seemed great. I would be yeah, like, okay, didn't he say, cool. like, where, where the, am I? But yeah. it's kind of a happy-go-lucky, yeah, where, where am I? I? Yeah, it seems like, yeah, like a very happy coop. I was like, it'd be very suitable right. to be a father. My husband is to, to Janie. And then go for it. he That's cuts right to that, right to the red door. <laughs> right and to like, the damn they, door. I wonder if he had to did he just show up, appear on the door, like, just boom. He probably did, right? No knock. He just came through a portal. No doorbell. Yeah. He was just there. No, he. I think he knocks and Janie E, and then... He's just, hey, and this is the warm feeling. There's hugs, and he's got is this the great... score? The I don't remember there? what the... Oh, yeah, maybe. But, like, okay, so that was literally tied up in, like, that was 25 it. seconds. Yeah, boom, right? done. That was Jenny's it. Jenny's taken care of. There it is. Move on. Next. <laughs> yeah, we got a laundry... See, I thought we would have, like, a laundry list. Like, check off yeah. Audrey, yeah, Bobby and Shelly. Yeah. Let's get Jerry back to the Great Northern. What's with Beverly and Ben? Like, all these things here. But, uh, no. Because uh, Lynch and Frost had something else in mind, because we next go back to the end of part 17 with Cooper and yeah. Laura in the woods. Yes, and doing we, a recreation of that scene, essentially. Right. And it, it's exactly that. And then I think we have, if I'm not mistaken, like Cooper's like back in the lodge, like all of a yeah, sudden. Boom. He's in mm-hmm. the lodge. And this, this for me, okay, so this is where there's not a lot of like plot. Uh, development or story in part 18 because it really just focuses on Cooper and Diane first and foremost and then Cooper and and Laura as Carrie Page but this little section right here about five seven minutes long um, is I think very very important to the events of uh, that preceded from episode every ever since Cooper got out of the electrical portal number three in part three up until this point because Everything that's happening in the lodge at this point is almost like a mirror uh, of the events in part two. But there are differences, and you'll even notice like some differences with camera angles. Like when he, we see the Monar man, he says, "Is it future or is it past?" Which he said, but I think the camera is tighter on him. Yeah, and then I agree. he disappears, and then what happened in the like in part two i think he said someone is here or someone is coming and then laura showed up and you see cooper like looking at that chair like presuming that okay is it future is it past laura palmer's going to show up she's going to kiss me and whisper in my ear and then get sucked out of the lodge but yeah. he looks at the chair and she happen. never shows up right yeah yeah and, it's different now right everything's that different. he's the one or <laughs> or, now is it future year? now before it was passed? <laughs> My only question to you is what year is it? <laughs> 
let's get to that later. <laughs> okay, my friend. Okay. We can't answer that yet until the end. Because I've got an answer for you. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. But um, so the one armed man is is at the uh, end of the room now, uh, near the the curtains, and Cooper gets up and leads him to another room, and this is almost exactly like part two, and we see the evolution of the arm. And the same introduction, I am the arm and I sound just like this or sound like this. But then I believe the um, evolution of the arm says, um, is it the story of the little girl who lived down the lane? Yes, due to Audrey callback. What the fuck? What the fuck, dude? What? So this is tied into Audrey then, the obviously. I'm, yes. Is, that's exactly what I thought. The little girl that lived down the lane, the same thing. She said, just what story you mean, Charlie? Because she said, don't make me end the story. Is it the story of the little girl that lived down the lane? So clearly, Laudry's in the fucking lodge, folks. Or and and she was trying to cross a threshold, or at least I think that's what Charlie said about the threshold, like the dweller on the threshold, which yeah. is a callback to Cooper in, in season two. So yes. obviously, I think there's a connection to the Audrey character, but we saw no Audrey in either one of a part 17 or 18. Oh my God. I can't imagine all the Audrey fans out there freaking out, but I love it. Like I love the ending. I think it's great. Cause I want a season four. So I think it was a fantastic cliffhanger for Audrey to be stuck in the lodge like that. Um, but obviously I bet there's a lot of people freaking out right now. Oh, I, I, I agree. No, I, we talked about this um, unless it was going to be some great, Ending maybe tied into the Cooper Mr. C storyline. Um, I would have just preferred to have it end the way that it did. Um, in, at the yeah, Roadhouse. we don't have time for right. this episode. And it's let, so let, mysterious. Let it linger. Yeah, it was oh. just. And I, but it was great though. The callback to it was this lo- this line from the evolution of the arm. That was the one where we were like, uh oh, Audrey. That made us think of Audrey. So that was really uh, a confirmation, I think, that she is trapped in some sort of lodge like right. hell. Well, and then I think the evolution of the arm says, is it? Like after he says, um, is it the little girl lives down uh, the lane, who lived down the lane? And then it cuts right to Laura Palmer whispering to Cooper, yes. just like in what part is two. that whisper, dude? That whisper, what's she saying? That's very important, man. Did you think that we were going to hear it like we did in the original series? Yes, I killed, my father killed me. Yes, I right. thought we were going to hear something. Yeah, but we didn't. We didn't. It's still mysterious. It's like Lost Highway when the mystery man whispered in Bill Pullman or Fred Madison's ear. We never heard that. Lynch never like. I think if Lynch had directed that episode in the original series, where the you know, Leland was was found out by the, the you know Cooper and Truman, and yeah, Corp, he wouldn't have done it. Yeah. He would have done it. Yeah, he would have done that. So, um, and then okay, so she whispers. So is what she whispered to him related to Audrey? Yes, I think so, dude. I think that is a big mystery because, I mean, dude, it's over the fucking end credits. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> but in the most amazing way ever. Like, I was, I love the slow motion of him going like, what the fuck? It's like literally him doing that in micro slow motion uh, over the end credits of this entire series. Uh, well, isn't Laura I loved sucked, it. So isn't good. Laura sucked out again after she whispers? Yeah. But we don't see it, or I think we cut away briefly to it. We see the face. We see a little bit of the face getting screamed yeah, at. Yeah. A little bit yeah. of that, but not the whole thing. So, okay, so so Laura's gone, but um, there's like a different, like I said, it's it's uh, kind of uh, mirroring what we saw in part two, but there are differences. There are subtle differences. And now, after right after she leaves or she's sucked out of the room, Cooper gets up and he 
uh, goes down the hallway with the curtains. And this is it's very more. It's much more assertive in his walk. I notice as well. Like he's going to do it this time. You know, right. he's walking. Couldn't you tell a little determination? Yeah, yeah. Because he does a little like hand gesture, like he's turning like a knob, and you yeah. see the curtains. Like, oh yeah, flutter. he was kind of like a wizard. Yeah, he kind of was Harry Potterish or something. Like he knew how to do that. He knew how to do that. That was a move, a lodge move he learned. Well, because in part two, when he went to that uh, point with the curtains, it got <laughs> locked. He couldn't rebank what we ran right of the wall like Dougie. Yeah, he right. was going to do it now. So he now he knew. It. So he that was something swizzle or whatever to get him out. And he comes out of the Black Lodge, the Trapes, at Glastonbury Grove. And I think... Right, so this was exactly what was supposed to happen in part two. I know. I thought like Hawk was going to be in the background, like, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" <laughs> I thought he was right? going to show up. <laughs> Something's supposed to happen here tonight. Oh, you're here. I exa- I thought hey. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. and um, but it wasn't Hawk. Who was it? It was Diane, or are we presumably Diane, someone that looks like Diane again. And it was she was like, "Are you real? Is that the real you? Yeah, is that the real you? Yeah." And it was like, "Okay, it's them. Here they are in this world." It's like they're destined together. Like they are like linked forever and that they're going to go on this adventure. They're both like time lords or something like, uh, but you know, what do you think? I'm not, I mean, I think there, uh, we have a lot more questions by the end of this episode. Right. She is. Well, first but, of all, like uh, I said, I think that uh, Cooper was supposed to come out of the lodge at that, at two fifty three. Um, I don't know if it was supposed to be 10, one or 10, two, but that was the plan, and obviously, since Mr. Yeah, did you think that like that clock was stuck at three, almost three fifty three, right? Like he was late, right? Is that what we presu- should be presuming about this entire thing? Wait, was the clock he in was the sh- late? Was it at three fifty three? You're not. Yeah, I thought it was at three fifty three. Maybe oh. I'm wrong, no, but I, th- I almost checked it positively. I was like, maybe oh. I'm wrong about that. I thought was it was two fifty three in your mind. I thought it was two fifty, but I, I like okay, I said, well, I could be, be wrong. Well, so that's I'm I'm assuming that the events that um, uh, happened at after. Part, or excuse me. So at part two, when Cooper was supposed to go out and didn't, and he went on his different journey, then that what we saw pretty much from parts three up through 17 is basically one timeline. And now with Cooper, uh, after he visited Laura in the past and saved her life, goes back to the lodge and comes out again, he comes out in a different timeline. Um, and Diane he tried to save her life. He didn't save her life. Well, he, no, he he did save her life, right? She did. Well, she wasn't murdered by Leland. Well, she got sucked up in the. Yeah, she got sucked up uh, twice, right? But she still got sucked up. Well, yeah, but she didn't save her. Like, does it still count? Like, if she got sucked <laughs> up in the lodge, I still think she like you know. Did, I don't think it worked. Didn't take that attempt. Well, obviously, the master plan, uh, whatever it is, I mean, it's got to be more than Leland's directive. Well, that's some, something that we uh, we missed was that we, he saw Leland again. And it was a different shot of Leland. It was a different expression. And he reiterated, find Laura. Find Laura, yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, like you said, there might be a, like a bigger player here, more than the fireman who is like pulling the strings. I, I, I certainly don't know. But I think part of his mission has been fulfilled of, of saving Laura from Bob Leland in the original series. But I think him coming out of the curtain here at the beginning of part 18 and seeing Diane is that this is now a different timeline. Um, we don't see any other characters in Twin Peaks. We get no Cole, no uh, Albert, no Tammy, uh, no Sheriff Station, nothing. We just see Diane and Cooper. And Diane is Naido, and Naido is Diane is, uh, I, I think, a major, major of importance because of their connection in part three. And we don't know 
um, what her role is exactly, like how she, why she appeared as Naido, and if that's where she went when she got tulpa'd by Mr. C. But we just have Cooper and Diane, and they they kiss again. Am I am I correct? Yeah, they mac down again. <laughs> I'm like, Which is odd because very odd. I mean, you never saw him ever mac down with anybody in any episode right. of anything. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, obviously, it's it's all very perplexing. But um, I like the fact I. I I always wanted Cooper to emerge out of the, the drapes at, you know, Glastonbury Grove, the curtains, because that was the point of entry at the uh, end of the original series. And it just made sense with any kind of journey that he would ultimately reemerge at that particular uh, location. I just loved what they did. They didn't like they didn't have it unfold in some kind of, uh, you know, easy to guess fashion. Uh, no one could have predicted um, you know what transpired, or that Diane would be there. But as soon as they kiss, um, I think if I'm not mistaken, we cut and they're in like some car like, yeah, driving down a car. highway, right? Yeah, they're in a car during the day, right? Like, and you see the wires, like they're following, yes, following or, the electric wires. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, and it's an older car, right? You can kind of tell. You can't see the exterior, yeah. but yeah, it looks it's like, like an, an old older vintage, car. really cool. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't look like a modern car at all. Um, yeah. They start driving and they start there on a purpose. They're, this is this begins like at least twenty minutes of just silent driving and not speaking <laughs> in this episode, <laughs> which I could have you know done like maybe half of like less less than that. But uh, yeah, we get long a lot seen there. You know, I think she's trying to get him to like talk about like what what they're gonna do. You know, like that this could be different when they go through this. And then he's like, okay, it's four hundred and thirty feet to the spot. So here miles, we are. In a different, I think. Yeah, forty. Is that what it is? Four hundred thirty miles. I think so. Yeah. On the yeah. odometer or whatever. No, um, I think it's four hundred and thirty miles from the location at Glastonbury Grove. That's what my guess. Okay, is. Okay, so there it is. So yeah, so they get to the spot. Well, that doesn't make sense because they're like in Texas suddenly. So it's obviously not four hundred thirty miles from Seattle. Oh, I don't think that they're in. I don't. I don't necessarily think that it's Texas. Oh, that's that right. You're right because they haven't gotten through the portal yet or whatever this is. Right. So yeah, so they're yeah. just wherever. And uh, he gets out, looks around, and uh, he's kind of feeling around, you know, and she's watching him. And uh, I think he finds something or he, he gets in the car and that they, that they just they drive. Through. I think they talk about and they make out again, don't they? Well, he asks her. <laughs> so basically he says that, yeah. like, the, the, the conversation is that Diane's telling him or asking him, like, you sure you want to go through with this? And, uh, like, you don't know what's going to happen or what, what's, like, lies ahead. And Cooper seems more determined. He gets out of the car. He determines that this is the spot that he get returns to the car and asks her to kiss him because he doesn't know, or they both don't know what's going to happen once they cross over. Yeah. And, and so he does. So they have this final kiss. This is the third time they've kissed. Amazing. And, um, he turns the key and drives and they drive for a little bit. And we hear the crackle, the electrical crackle. And then all of a sudden day for night, it goes, Tonight, and they're driving down, you know, the Lynch. Yeah, hauling lost ass highway. on the Phantom Ride. Yeah, the Lost Highway Phantom Ride at a million miles an hour. They have to slow down, which is good. He must have hit the right. He did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're hauling ass, and you can tell, uh, at least, you know, on second, uh, my rewatch, that things have changed. Like at least Cooper is is changed. His demeanor has changed a little bit, and she's a little, you know, quieter. And there's not much dialogue, if at all. And did you notice her her fingernails? Black and white, the polish. Okay. Well, like, wasn't it multicolored around. previously? Well, um, I'm colorblind, so but I knew. With the, you mean <laughs> in, in this episode, or you mean the original Diane before she got tulpid? 
Well, no, I she think when we saw her, yeah, yeah. She's, she just went from the multi, I think the Tulpa had the multicolored and the regular Diane just has the black and white. But um, he pulls up to a motel and um, he gets out and doesn't say anything. And she's watching him. And then all of a sudden, she sees herself looking yeah, back at her. Yeah, dude. I was like, uh-oh. Like, uh-oh. Oh, this is no. like not going to be magical after all. <laughs> Beatrice Portinelli is split again. And then it also seems like no matter how many p- planes of reality he's creating or jumping through, either it's Dr. Hooing it or imagining or whatever, that the evil lurks, that there's something following him, like that car later on, and you'll see a car following him later on in this episode. Right. And it just seems like that, that he can't shake it. That, and that also that even he can't shake it maybe even within himself because it's like the next scene they go into uh, this hotel room and what does he say? Just like come over here and they just start having sex. Dude. Well, first of all, they <laughs> like enter, Lost Highway. <laughs> right. It has a real kind of Lost Highway feeling, at least especially the ending of Lost Highway uh, when Fred Madison reemerges. Um, but they go into number seven, which is Lynch's yeah, favorite number. Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. But it's yeah. number seven, and then Diane turns the lights on, and then Coop says, turn Turns off the off. lights. Yeah. And then That's she dark. goes, what are we supposed to do? And I think he says, you're supposed to come over here. And then she approaches him, and then they kiss yet again, and then Dude, we the cut to like platters a... Platters music starts, right? <laughs> yeah, it's the platter song from part Dude, eight. Episode eight. My prayer. Like, oh my God, what is happening, dude? Is there going to be some head crushing going on? That freaked me out when that music cue cue occurred. Well, it was like a four minute or five minute. Well, it was a long sex scene, and uh, I thought that on, on the first time it was just Dude, too self indulgent. It went. Dude, on. he looks like he's turning into Mister C. He doesn't look like Coop having sex there. No, he looks like the dark side. Maybe is coming out with not that it's Mister C again, but think about Mister C. He was the manifestation of Cooper's dark side, and I think we've talked about this. In past, I know I have in the past episodes. Like, there's no way. He's going to come back without a dark side, unless he's going to be like fucking Buddha. And clearly, he's not Buddha. Clearly, I think that even in this other plane of reality, that uh, a little dark side is starting to manifest in Coop, and it looked like it a little bit on the face while he's having sex with her in this scene. Yeah, he's completely emotionless while yeah. having sex, and she is full of emotion and, and not like even crying. Really... And yeah, it doesn't look, this is not a happy, <laughs> no, she's not even looking at him. She's looking up and she's like her hands on his face, like almost like trying to, <laughs> to dude, she's covering up the bomb. That's what I was like. Oh my, I see. I was like, what is going on with this scene? And then as soon as she started covering his face up almost comically, I started laughing and I was like, okay, okay. So she's covered up the bomb. Okay. This is them trying to like say, cause remember he was like, did you, do you remember everything? And she was like, yes. So she remembers all the Mr. C and the tulping and the bobbing and the evil and all the bad stuff. And so you could see, okay, maybe here they are in this new plane of reality. He's going to try to, they're going to try to uh, wipe that out essentially and show, you know, the true selves having passionate lovemaking, you know, but I think a little bit of the, the little, the dark side crept in a little bit and she wasn't clearly, it didn't seem like she was enjoying it that much. No, she was in tears the entire time, wasn't yeah, she? Yeah, no, she she was, and I think that you're right. Fuck. I think that Cooper's mission um, was he escaped. He was able to escape the Black Lodge, return, and he didn't really defeat Mister C. He never confronted his shadow self. He just put the ring on Mister C, which yeah, Freddie knocked him out. Freddie knocked him out. So Cooper never 
um, confronted his doppelganger, yeah. his shadow his dark self. Dark side. Yeah. So on there. one hand, one mission complete of returning and saving or finding Laura, at least Laura of the past, and now here we have, I think, the real, real story or the most important story of his character of confronting his shadow self, but it's now in, like an internal battle. I believe like watching part 18 is what we're seeing is the internal struggle between the good coop and the bad coop. I don't think there's Bob in Cooper. I think we see flashes of good, but it vacillates between uh, more of the darker side. And I think that's what freaks Diane out because when Cooper awakes in the morning, there's a note and the note is addressed to Richard and she basically <laughs> this is I know, right? crazy dude that finally she get the Richard and Linda yeah and he's reading it like a normal coop not to say that coop is turning into Mr. C and this at all because the next morning I saw a little Mr. C in his eyes when they were uh, having sex but the next day he seems fine he seems like the regular coop he's reading the reading the thing yeah and uh, yeah yeah she says don't follow me um, yeah. I, I, I don't know who you are anymore and uh, she signs it Linda. So yeah, Richard and Linda. Yeah, what the fuck? So in this world, this reality, this is who they are. They're Richard and Linda in this reality. Mm, I don't necessarily know. Uh, no, I don't. Well, he doesn't. He remembers because he, he. Well, he remembers it, so he knows he's Coop. But right. maybe she thinks that they're Richard. You know what I'm saying? Like after that night, after last night, that somehow she is no longer um, as coherent about their past lives and all the other shit. As he well, they've both been. Yeah, they both had like well, Cooper had a doppelganger and she had a tulpa. So we had and she saw uh, like her double just outside of this motel room. So yeah, what does that mean? Let's talk about that. We can't just gloss over that. What does that mean in your mind? With her seeing her image. Yes. I I don't have any. I really I don't. I mean I don't have any concrete answers. I mean I I'm thinking that what we're seeing here with these two characters, the fact that we saw Cooper and Diane immediately after the lodge and knowing that Diane was Naido or Naido was Diane, that their role in this cosmic narrative, which spans, you know, all these different planes and, and time that Cooper and Diane or their spirits or their essence, they might have been, you know, uh, tied together for a long period of time. and might continue to be together in different um, bodies. And I think with anything, you can make a connection to part eight with that young couple. I'm not saying it is young Coop or it's young Diane, but symbolically they might be, that might be it. Like young love, first love, first kiss with Cooper and Diane. I I think if we get a, a fourth season, I think this is where we may go. So my thinking is that maybe Diane is a little bit more clued into what's going on and recognizes that it's not over, that there are other, I don't know, identities or, what have you, and she can't face it, and she, or at least face it with Cooper, and is going to take off. And Cooper is just so single-minded. Well, don't you think that maybe, like, her, like, even if she remembered, like, that maybe she couldn't, like, if it was, uh, they were going to have sex and try to forget about the past? <laughs> maybe she's just like, I can't forget about the past. i got to move on. Yeah, In I fact, I'm going to call you someone different. You are now Richard. I'm going to forget completely about that, and I'm going to now become Linda. Yeah, but it, that not that kind of like a Lost Highway with like the Fred and, and Pete and the Renee? And the yeah, well, who directed and, Lost Highway? I don't know. I think it was uh, some uh, – was it uh, Joel Schumacher that he directed? Um, no, okay, so it, that's huge, but Diane this is This scene gone. blew my brain apart. So that's what I'm saying. My brain is now completely blown completely <laughs> apart. It's blown very, very, very much apart. So now – because he wasn't even that upset. 
You know, like he wasn't like, oh my God, where's the love of my life? Where's my soulmate? I just got her back after being gone for 25 years and she's gone. No, and they just kind of goes like, yeah, yeah but he and then off he goes. Well, they <laughs> crossed over though. Goes outside. Yeah. They that's knew. what I mean though. But see, like, that's what I mean though. It's like, he is on his own journey. Like, I don't even know if Diane was even the real Diane when they flipped over, you know, when they, once they got into that new darkness, when they, when they went through that portal, I don't even think that's her. Oh, really? You know? I, I think it is. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it is. And you well, think, she didn't last long. Well, no. She one night and she's gone. Well, if she was I, the real one, I think she would have stuck around. No, I think that she, with with her memories, right? So we, we're dealing with Cooper and his memories of, of, like, Mr. C, the past, like, everything. Just think about Diane and the God, this the, the nightmare of Mr. C, the the rape in her pit. That's still a part of her consciousness or subconsciousness. So maybe, like that's I what said, I'm saying. So she like can't she deal with it, it. dude. Well, yeah. That's and, what I'm saying. But maybe she also recognizes more of Mr. C in Cooper right now and is not going to go through that cycle of hell again. Well, that's what she said, didn't she? I don't recognize you anymore. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, who knows what that night would. Maybe he couldn't. Maybe revert, reverted into some... Uh, Kinky Badenage from the Bob days, and she didn't like it. <laughs> that we saw, like that was you know cut, you know for uh, <laughs> it was cut, yeah, on the cutting room floor. <laughs> well, okay, so when I don't he when he leaves, <laughs> we'll go down the rabbit holes in our next. We've got a God. This scene is completely. People will be writing entire doctoral theses and books on this entire. This is crazy. I agree. This is just this is insane. Well, did you notice when he left the motel room that a it's a different motel and b it's a different car? Yes. Well, and, I knew it was a different car. I was like, hey, wait, what's this, what's this car now? Suddenly, he's in a different car now. Um, and you caught it was a different hotel. Different hotel. Do you know what so, that car is? It looks like one of the, I don't know. It looks like one of the FBI cars. It's the same car Mr. C was driving in like part two and three. But, 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 but wasn't it also like an FBI car? Weren't they all driving kind of similar? Well, I, yeah, I think it was a similar, like a Lincoln. Cars. But the fact that he gets into. Like Albert and, yeah. It could have been any Cole car. But I think that it, there was a very specific reason. It's a visual cue that... <laughs> so one day, you're telling me, one day in this new astral plane, and he's already reverting to his dark side already? No. Like he's already starting to morph the car? <laughs> I'm just saying that... He's morphing into Mr. C's car? That he is... There's a darkness that we're seeing within Cooper that we've never seen before, and I think it's tied into the fact that he never um, confronted himself at any point. And he's now... We talked yep. about the merging and how it would be abstract. And I think this is exactly what we're seeing. It. I think we're seeing Cooper deal with feelings and uh, emotions or lack thereof that he didn't expect. So it's all kind of new for him. It's almost like a newborn, just like with Laura, because we're going to see that. Like he's single-minded, but dealing with I think a lot of uh, uncertainty within him. Like he's got the mission, but there are these dark. You know, the mission's going haywire, and when the mission goes haywire, then the darkness shows back up. You know, like the old like self help uh, line, like no matter where you go, there you are. There you are. You know, no matter what, whatever astral plane you go, there, there <laughs> Cooper's dark side still is. <laughs> well, so Cooper is now. I love yeah, that. No, I do too. Yeah. Now, where's Cooper? Maybe where's, where's he driving? Where's the location? Now he's in Odessa, Texas. Suddenly. Do you know where Odessa, Texas, is? Well, I'm from Texas, so yeah, it's in West it's Texas. It's the Permian right? Panthers. We <laughs> we went there in high school. Yeah, you and I drove. Yeah, you and I drove. Permian Panthers, Odessa, Permian. Yeah, we did play them uh, for the one of the championship games or something. In high school, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we know exactly. It's the middle of fucking Podunk exactly. Nowhere, dude. It's like uh, middle of nowhere. And Coop sees a sign, like we said earlier, coffee shop, eat at Judy's, and he pulls in. 
Judy's. I know. Judy. Is he still looking for Judy? Is that the whole point of this? Sounds like that was why he was going into this thing. Well, he's. And so I was like, is Judy Laura or is Judy evil? Is Judy <laughs> the mother monster? I, I'm getting confused, but here we go. Right? Well, yeah, so he goes. Go I, I mean, I don't know if. Like I said, I think Judy, we talked about this. On one hand, Judah. What's a Jaday or what is the original Jaday? God? Yeah, yeah, that's the, what. Uh, Jaday. Yeah. yeah. So I think that might be Cole's. Is that real? I have no idea. Is there a real Jaday? I, <laughs> I need to look in that one immediately. Yeah, right. I need yeah. to look that up. But I just think that uh, Cooper. It's a. It's a. It's a cue for him that this is the location because he seems to know as soon as he enters, and doesn't see who he is looking for, and he is looking for Laura Palmer. She's not there. He asks the waitress, who's I think Clint Eastwood's daughter. And uh, she's also wearing red shoes. Lynch yeah. loves the red shoes on women. She's wearing red shoes. I think they're flats, though. Thankfully, she's not wearing stilettos. But um, he wants to know about the other waitress. So he knows it's not just random, I don't think. But He also doesn't give a shit about his coffee, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, see? There's another side. What? And she hardly even filled his cup. He was like, like it looked almost half Yeah, I noticed that, too, right? Yeah, poor, uh, yeah. poor serving there. Yeah, poor waitressing on yeah. her part. But, you know, she's got more trouble to deal with. with The real coop would have asked her to fill it to the brim. Exactly. The damn fine cup. And to have, like, fine some, uh, care. you know, he wanted probably, you know, some breakfast. I mean, when's the last time we saw Cooper have a proper breakfast when, you know, ham collides with maple syrup or, or whatever? Yeah, I was hoping yeah, for something like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. We got nothing. No donuts. No, I mean, it's fine. This is not the Cooper that... Dude, this is a very intense final two hours. They didn't go for any. And I'm glad they did. Food, I'm, I'm glad they yeah. did. But um, so yeah, so the, the the waitress gets hassled by these three cowboy thugs. Yeah, putting the final cupcake on just the misogyny <laughs> that was permeating through this series <laughs> once again. Everywhere you go, men are dicks. They're evil, and so he pipes up, says, "Hey, watch out! Don't fuck with her. Whatever, stop it." Stop messing with her. And of course, the Texas assholes come fuck with him. He just drops a Cooper on him in like two seconds, just disarms them, shoots one in the toe, kicks him with one in the crotch. And the other guy's like, give me your gun, drop your gun. He's like, I don't have one. He's like, of course, you're a Texan. He didn't say that, but drop your gun. And they, the guy puts it down. <laughs> I thought he was going to unload like eight guns. But, uh, and yeah. then he puts them in the fryer. So there he is. Or the deep uh, Yeah, the and he, he puts the fries. We'll make sure the fries didn't burn. I like how he put the fries up to make sure that... Uh, but he was different. He did not seem no. like regular Cooper in the scene, did no, he? No, he didn't. He seemed like kind of bad or kind of... What the fuck's going on? You know, I was like, this is very weird. Like I said, I think um, there's there's the darkness. We're seeing the shadow side within him. And it's also like, hey, give me your waitress's number and address. That's evil. You don't want to... You don't give out random addresses of your friends to some creepy... You know, some guy. You know, that's like... But he does say... He didn't like try to comfort her. You know, he... Does, what does he, he does all? say he's FBI, right? Does he show I the think he is does. He shows it. It was like uh, uh, Tom Cruise in Eyes Wide Shut always flashing his like doctor's credentials, okay, like in yeah. every other scene. <laughs> he was like, he flashed the bad. Well, like, he seemed like not Coop. No. Yeah, it was a very strange scene. Um, yeah. And then he goes to the address and he sees a pink house and he sees the number six electrical pole that we saw in Twin Peaks. <gasps> Holy shit, I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Dude. And he looks up what just like Harry Dean, Carl Rod did. And this is where Lord. So that was the final clue from the fireman to Andy. We thought it would have something to do with the end game in Twin Peaks. But no, it was a reference to Laura Palmer. And he goes to the door. Yeah, so the clue for Andy's clue was pointless. Yeah, because why would Andy know, exactly. right? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> so he goes to the door and he sees Cheryl Lee, and he says, "Laura." Boom. And but she's got 
a Philip Jeffries <laughs> She's southern a accent. Girl, hey. She's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm Carrie Page, no and uh, but I'm Carrie Page from down the way. But did you notice when he says your father is Leland? And your mother is Sarah. When he said Sarah, something clicked with her briefly. And she goes, what is this all about? And that's when she lets him in. And she like says, well, I got to get the hell out of town anyways. And we find <laughs> out why. There's a dead I body. Love that. She's fucking killed someone there, I guess. Presumably, right? She killed I, Yeah, the there dude? was a gun on the floor. And did you notice the white horse? Yes, Pony, Troy the Pony. I saw the Pony. I was like, holy shit. I go, so no matter what astral plane you put Laura on, she's going to get into some trouble <laughs> herself as well. Even though she's the ordained one, there's going to be some, some dead bodies and some chaos. Or, or maybe also, maybe that fucker was trying to fuck around with her and attack yeah, her or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, of course. He didn't look too good. He didn't look very upstanding. He probably looked like he deserved killing, as they say in Texas. Yeah, but he looked dead. And so like, she killed him. But he'd been dead for a couple of days. Like, for a while. Yeah, bugs collecting. So this is an insane. <laughs> but I loved how she was like, okay, like, you know, I could get out. Dude kind of need to get out of town. <laughs> okay, sir, let's go. And I was like, I love that the dead bodies, and he doesn't say Nothing. anything. It's like he's no longer an FBI agent. I mean, really, he's in a different plane of reality. Yeah. He doesn't need to enforce things like that. Or even really say, hey, Laura, I know she murdered somebody, but uh, it th- doesn't say a goddamn word about it. And she just jumps in, and she's like, do I need a jacket? Where are we going? Are we going to Washington, they say? I'm like, no, we're going to Washington State. He's like, is it cold there? Is it far? Hilarious. <laughs> I was like, this is hilarious. I loved it. And so she's packing up her shit. Let's go. Just don't mind the dead body. Don't mind the dead yeah, body. Then we get, yeah, then we get the 10, 12 minutes of silent driving with. Dude. Yeah, literally silent driving for ten minutes almost. Like it's, but she gets she for a second she kind of I thought goes into Laura yeah. like you know I thought she starts you know remembering yeah. a little bit, and but I thought that Cooper would have said Nothing. something. He doesn't say anything, and then the and that is so weird, dude. Yeah, the car that they think may be following them, but isn't. Ooh, dude, <laughs> that started yeah. really creeping me out. Like the end of Lolita. I was like, what the fuck is going on with that car? And those lights were very weird. That was scaring me. I was like, mother's driving that car. Judy, mother, Sarah, the woodsman, they're all packed in. They're following them. Yeah, but them. this is a different timeline altogether. So. But it doesn't matter. They can manifest I, on every right. other. Yeah. They're still, they turn the lights so, out. Okay, so when the they get shot. to Twin Peaks, right, did you notice? We didn't see the sign. We saw like them cross over a bridge, which looked like the bridge that Renette, Renette Bridge. Bridge. I don't know yeah. if it was the exact yeah. Renette Bridge, but when they get into town, they pass the double R, but it didn't say double R to go. Yes, dude. So in this timeline, Norma didn't franchise, and it's still the regular exactly. double R. Exactly. So they pull, and, and Cooper's asking her, "Does this look familiar? Does this look look familiar?" And she's looking around, and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't, you know, see anything, or at least she doesn't say that it looks familiar to her. And he finally pulls up at the Palmer house, and he's like, well, "What about this?" <laughs> Are you ready for this? Here it is. And, uh, that's our uh, dude. Mickey I love Rooney. like the, yeah. when they walk up. They when they walk up the steps, uh, dude. It was like they were walking on like a, a, a treadmill. It took like eight. It took a long time to go up like the walkway to yeah. the to the palm. Yeah, but it was hold. building the, the was tension, the suspense. I was like, yeah, I was freaking out. I was like, what is happening? What is gonna happen? So What's he shows up to the door, right? And who answers? I don't know, man. <laughs> Never seen it before in my it's, life. Well, we find out that? that her name is Alice Tremont, and the previous owner <laughs> was a Chalfont. Yes, I cheered like when that with the Coopers can't believe it. That what Sarah's not here, Laura's not here. Who did you sell the? What, where you know he starts investigating, 
And uh, she's just like, you know, I like that she's asking her I husband know, off like camera, too. Uh, who's that? You know, and I can see he's kind of interested too. But uh, when he goes like, Where, who'd we buy this house from? And I was like, Chalfont. And they go, Chalfont. <laughs> I was like, no! It's like you can't get rid of it. Like, that's what I mean. Like they, and also, if you're one step ahead of these bad guys, they're always once, you're trying to catch, they're always one step ahead. They're always out of there before you're trying to, you know, they're always gone. They're a vapor trail. I, I, it freaked I, me out. I, I just knew that this was going to be, just because of the running time, that this was going to be it. And I didn't know how it would end and I didn't know what was Cooper's wrong essentially what it means is everything that Cooper thinks is true his mission is like bullshit or something or like it's all fucked up he's like he's all wrong again he hasn't learned anything he's all fucked up well he's and he can't he's fucked it. up himself though yeah everyone's it's fucked up and I love it do we want to go back into what they say they yeah. walk outside and he's like almost like putting his hands on his knees like he just lost a game like he's like out of like what the fuck happened and then he goes, oh, and he looks, he's like, what, what year is it? And I go, oh no. I was starting freaking out when he said that. I was like, oh, that's right. What year is it, dude? What fucking year is it? And Laura won't tell him what year it is. What does she, she do, looks man? looks up at the house and something, she, you can just sense that it's something familiar and it's starting to come back to her. And then we hear, Laura? Just like Sarah Palmer. And that's when it comes over her. And she realizes she's Laura Palmer. And I believe the memories of everything. And she lets out the classic Cheryl Lee, Laura Laura Palmer scream. scream, And that's it. That is it. No, dude. That's it. The lights go out, dude. In the fucking Palmer house. Evil. They were waiting the whole time. They are there. That's what I think is that uh, no matter what timeline you go to, that the evil is there in the inside the house, and they're oh, not going to just got like, chills, man. dude. We That's missed, we, crazy. dude. We Tom, we also missed. We totally skipped the scene of Sarah Palmer smashing Laura's oh my fucking God. Uh, how did we uh, homecoming? It ties how into did this, we miss dude, because it is like you can't, you cannot get rid of it. Like we thought that, like uh, that scene in the in episode seventeen when we cut back. And it looks like that the mother, uh, the jumping man, Sarah, whatever, the evil's been foiled. We think that, uh, that, t- that Cooper has worked, that he's worked his magic, and it's been erased. And that she's uh, smashing that picture. And it's not, and that evil coming from the fucking house, the sounds oh, of God. that. Uh, I was like, what the fuck? Is that the jumping man screaming? Like, just evil in that house. And uh, she's smashing Laura's uh, uh, picture, and it won't smash completely, which is giving us hope in episode 17. But then we see it all devolves and falls apart. And so now here we are at episode 18, and those lights going out and the evil scream and the cliffhanger to end all cliffhangers means that the evil's still in there, motherfuckers, and you never even got close to uh, confronting them. And that Cooper is more confused than he's ever been. And that, that is, this is the biggest cliffhanger since the original cliffhanger. Like Cooper, uh, Lynch did it to us again. <laughs> I applaud I you, my it. friend. That I was a great. Thank you, it. A, for bringing up the Sarah Palmer. How did I forget that? That was so. Yeah, you took 800 pages of notes. How'd you miss that? <laughs> but that was integral and it ties into this. And it was like that house. It almost goes back to the idea that the you know, the convenience store could tart us on top of that Palmer house. That Palmer house is pure evil and it will always be pure evil no matter what astral plane you're on. And uh, no matter how much Cooper tries to save Laura, <laughs> these people have got Laura in their sights and they're much more powerful than Cooper is, dude. That's the lesson I'm getting is that Cooper, I hope it keeps going. But he's just at the starting gate again, just like we thought that if he got out of the lodge, that he would be 
just uh, at the starting gate, and that's what I think we are at. Yeah, here. and the fact okay. that we got the mention of the Tremont and the Chalfont, that wherever yes, they live, there's some kind of duality going yes. on. The yes. same thing is going on here at the Palmer House, and that evil, like you mentioned, is still still exists, and Laura, it all comes back to her. And like you said, the lights go out, and that's it. I mean, that's it. Dude, I got mass. I freaked out. Chills, screams, terror. Like, I just, a rush of energy when that ending washed oh, over me. Wow. And I couldn't believe it. I, and then the credits, which I love, the slow motion of the whisper in his ear, dude. And, like, I love and he And it is, like, the slow motion of him going, like, what <laughs> the fuck are you telling me? And he almost kind of, like, at one point in, the, in these last two episodes, you kind of hear him go, like, ugh. You know, like when he hear which yeah. is whispering whatever it is in his ear, and that's the cliffhanger we're left on. People, we're still waiting to figure out what it is. He said in the original series, <laughs> or no, that was yeah, part two of this yeah. series. But uh, amazing, amazing, and boy, yeah, what a I, I certainly didn't expect it to end as mysteriously as it did, and to have all these questions and to possibly never get those questions answered they had to know i really believe that lynch and frost they obviously created this they had to know what the fans the reaction would be and here they are i really believe that they're like doubling down that they knew it was going to be a success uh, at least critically and with the hardcore fans and to end it in this fashion and to not have anything else come to us in any kind of format. I don't think the final dossier, Mark Frost's book, is going to go there. It's going to be. It's going to have to no. be another season. And I I was waffling. I wasn't certain. Yes. I was thinking, like, I thought it was going to be more kind of this uh, Blue Velvet, Wild at Heart ending, maybe a little Mulholland Drive with some ambiguity. But to have it be as fucked up as it is and have Laura be returned, to have the, the original timeline completely washed – where possibly that she she never died and Cooper never came to town and never like that's why how's Annie was never addressed that's one thing to think about how's Annie well Annie never went oh yeah he erased he that erased all quick. that yeah. and all of the th- all the characters that we didn't get the storyline with the Audreys and the Reds and the Be- Becky and the Stevens that's all you know uh, a preamble to a possible four season and, be- and beyond. So it's pure genius. Yeah, I would think that like at the fourth season, we would never go back to that plane of reality no, ever again. No, this entire season we just saw. Oh, it'd be is, different. Is I think, it... and it may—it's gone. That's what I mean. It's, we'll, we'll move on. I don't think we're gonna like you said. If we end up in season four, there might be like we go back to Twin Peaks and Norman and Ed aren't together. Right. <laughs> it's like it begins. It's big fuck you, right? Time yeah, and time exactly. again. Exactly. Yeah. But that's life. That's reality. That's so good, dude. I loved how like Laura when she walks out of the house. She like looks at him, and I could tell she's like, "You're an idiot! <laughs> like you're a complete fucking idiot!" You know what I mean? And he's like, "What? What? I can't believe it! I love that!" And then the fucking freakish realization when then she goes, "Oh my god, I'm Laura Palmer, and this is a horrible nightmare, and it's happening again. It is happening again, Tom. God. And that really could be time and time again theme of the story." You know what's so interesting far. is the connection to Jeffries and Firewalk with me uh, in the missing pieces at the very end. When he's saying the ring, the ring, he sees the calendar and he's like, May uh, 1989 or February. I can't remember if he said February or, or 1989. And like, you know, what year? I can't remember if he says what year this is, but the insinuation is obviously he doesn't know where he is. And now we have Cooper mimicking 
both Jeffries and Briggs with these time jumps, and he's going through the same thing. What year is it? Where am I? He's still a novice, whereas Jeffries and Briggs are more experienced. And it just leads so many questions and mysteries. And I think it was utterly fascinating and ballsy as hell to do what they did. And any expectations that weren't met for me, fuck it. I don't care because this is art and this is going to live on forever. And art pisses people off sometimes. And Lynch does as well. His because he is art. His his work is art. I just well, dude, Lynch fans would expect nothing less. That's right, what I mean. Like right. people that that expected some tiny, they don't. Then they're clearly not understanding where the fuck David Lynch is coming from because he's going to build on it. He's going to add to it. And this was like next some next level shit. This series. And I can't. There's got to be another one. I don't know what to do. We need to create a tulpa of uh, <laughs> David Nevins at Showtime. Uh, Les Moonves. Maybe we can get a list. And uh, start working on this, guy, gang, because I think we all want a fourth season after that. Um, dude, what an amazing run this has been, dude. I mean, we can keep talking about this forever, but we're going to end up having podcasts yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, later this week, and we're going to keep it going. But this has been one hell of a ride, you guys. Um, what an ending. Uh, Tom, you have any last thoughts for this one? Yeah, when I said earlier, and I'll just keep it as brief as possible, that uh, Part 17 really was the conclusion of you know, the series as, as, as we saw it, that, that main narrative. And I said, part 18 was this epilogue, but now through our conversation, uh, it's very possible that it wasn't an epilogue, that what we saw in part 18 was the very first episode of season four, of season four. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. They showed us episode four, uh, one of season four. That's yep. what they just showed us. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. Mind blowing, mind bending. Um, I, I've never ever done a podcast uh, reviewing any show in my life and boy I'm glad, I'm glad that we chose this one because it was quite a challenge but it was very fulfilling we'll never be able to understand this we'll be talking about this for years you guys so I hope you tune into our podcast we're going to keep doing them like at least once a week maybe twice a week uh, you know especially till we get caught up with trying to examine what we just saw um, in the meantime let's keep the ideas and feedback just because the series is over doesn't mean we are on Twin Peaks and, and Facebook or Twitter and Facebook um, you guys can follow us on all the platforms uh, what a hell of a ride till then you guys thanks for listening <laughs>